Stand by to launch FanStream Sports. Three, two, one. Let's start. Hello, sports fans. Welcome to FanStream Sports. Nothing, nothing but pure sports. This is the JP Show. JP, it is so good to hear you back on the air. Stand by. Now, here's JP. All right, welcome in to a football Friday. We did a football Thursday yesterday out at Bucks Camp. That was fun. It's good to, to uh, be out there, see the boys with my own eyes. Uh, we got a lot of baseball to get to, though, today. Um, Leonard Fournette chatting. Otani doing crazy things. U.S.-Mexico in a border war. That that was ugly last night between USA and Mexico in soccer. Always and is. You, and they got your favorite coaches back for the U.S. men's national team. Um, the stadium shenanigans in in oakland what does that mean for tampa bay john romano's just dropped a column i was just reading it in the times and shaking my head once again just um (laughs) so many things in that column i just i just don't i I think are incredibly inaccurate number one and i just don't understand um where he's coming from but we'll uh we'll try to sift into some of the the false narratives and get right down to it to what's going on here in tampa bay um, so lots to get to today. We thank you guys for jumping in. Oh, look, Jeremy's already in. Bucks raised bolt. Bolts is already in. Uh, so thanks for coming in, guys. You can always join us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, FanStreamSports.com, DSPMedia.com, RHSTV. We are everywhere. So download one of our apps, FanStream Sports, RHSTV, and you can get the show anytime you want. Um, all right, good morning to you, Nick Gattis. How are you? I'm doing good. A little beach day, beach action yesterday. Oh, nice. Caught a dub in softball yesterday. You got a dub in softball? <laughs> one to four, baby. You guys had four four double plays in softball? We turned four double plays, including one to win the game. Wow. And the guy who... who like turned like... like. Oh, these were major six, league... Six, four, three? These were major league turns. Were you playing second? Uh, hell no. Okay. Let me just... Remember no. how I told you I used to play second? Yeah, so I thought. I'm like, you turned four double plays? Uh, no. I, Taylor I, I have been moved to the outfield. Oh. And I can't argue with the success. Right field? Did they stick you in right field? Oh. Oh. Are you playing right field? Hey, you're playing right field in softball? Yikes. <laughs> and you're not hitting bombs? Hey, hey, listen. I got on base, I got all the, base three the, times just. That's where they stick all the big fat guys that hit home runs and can't run. <laughs> or they're, they're a catcher. I'm a, I'm a different breed of right fielder. Hey, every ball that's been hit my way in two games in right field, I've gobbled up. I've gobbled every single one of them up. But their, your replacement at second is but my replacement, an upgrade. My replacement at second, I have to, I have to admit, is an upgrade. I turned, <laughs> well, I couldn't turn one double play in the two games I played, and, and, and he just goes and turns four. And I was watching it. I had obviously a front row seat to every single one. I'm yeah. like, oh wow, that looked really easy. <laughs> <laughs> good stuff, good stuff. Um, well, the Rays had a quite, a, quite an exciting game. Yes, they yesterday. did. By the way, we got Scott Reynolds coming on at ten thirty from the Pewter Report. Uh, he's been out there all week at Bucks Mandatory Minicamp, so we'll get. His take on that, so we'll save a lot of our buck stuff for the 10:30 segment, um, and then uh, Paul Wilson's going to join us at 11:30. Our, our media mogul, actor, uh, and media critic extraordinaire. He went to see Flash, and has a review for us. So and so a couple other uh, things that he wants to uh, tell us to watch for your weekend entertainment. So we'll do that at 11:30. Um, so before we get into the race uh, and we'll, some stadium stuff there. Uh, with with Oakland and the Tampa Bay and the and the big win yesterday, just some some quick thoughts uh, wrapping up the 
OTAs yesterday, just kind of what I saw out there. And, you know, there's, I, I didn't really see this on my video. I get, I'm, I'll, I'll retweet this today. But there was a moment where, where Baker Mayfield and the quarterbacks were running over to the other field to get on, do, start doing the other drill. And Jason Light was standing, like, kind of off to the side. So the three quarterbacks were running, and Trask and Wolford just kept running. And Baker Mayfield does the veteran quarterback uh, savvy move, just kind of floats over to Jason Light. Says a couple of things, you know, a little smiley, jokey, jokey, you know, and then off to his. It's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Veteran move. Go Brown knows the boss a little bit, you know. That's how you get it done. That's how you get it done in this world. <laughs> I was like, that was a smart, that was a strong move, Baker. And uh, just watching him out there moving around in the offense uh, just kind of, it's it's so different. It's there's so much pre-snap movement, and they're not even doing half of what they're going to do. But it's just it's so different to watch. Guys are getting open, scheming guys open. I mean, none of this means anything until you you know you put on the pads at Minnesota. But um, it's just it is it is definitely a breath of fresh air, and you get a get a sense, you know. And I'll just be a, a curmudgeon old man here and say, you know, you get three OTA workouts. And you cut them. You cut it. You cut the last one off by a half. I mean, you couldn't. You couldn't. You got a new offensive coordinator. You got a new offensive scheme. You got a quarterback competition going on. These guys have the next six weeks off, and you got to give them an hour off. Well, a, 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 a practice time that you could be using. You're that good. You're that good already. Well, Ooh, again, okay. you try not to worry about what other teams are doing around the league, but there are a few teams that I don't even think even took mandatory minicamp. Like the Commanders shut it all down. And remember, they're coming in with a new offense with Bienemy and Sam Howell as the quarterback, and they didn't even do mandatory minicamp. I believe the Jets kind of went the same route. They shut things down as well, and Rodgers yeah, is a veteran. Hold on. What, okay, what are you looking me, at? Um, that, I know. Funny. I saw you distracted over here. But I'm listening to the two teams that you brought up, the great uh, traditional NFL franchises, the Jets and, and, the, and Washington. True. True. I mean, okay, is there any good team out there that's uh, taking all mandatory minicamp off? Not to my knowledge. Okay, I'd have to do some research, right. but I just know of those two. It, it just kind of it kind of hit me yesterday, and I you know I should shut my mouth when it comes to stuff like this, but you guys know me, I can't, I can't shut my mouth. And I'm like, okay, let's give them the last hour off, and then we come to the podium, and it's like, what message did you give the guys? Uh, come back in shape. Well, that's a rousing motivational speech. You know, Todd, Todd is a great football coach. He's a great defensive coordinator. But it's just that, like, I'm thinking, like, would Tomlin do that? I don't know. Maybe he did. Maybe he did. Would, would Belichick do that? Well, speaking of Tomlin, I might have to queue up the, the motivational speech he gave yesterday that was making the rounds on social let's, media. Let's do that. I probably and then should, let's juxtapose I, it with, with Todd Bowles' uh, speech yesterday. I mean, I know it's not – look, you're not – you're not winning any games in June. I get it. I get it. But it's, you know, there's, you know, I, I think with Todd's been around here so much, so long, and we love the guy. We love the guy. And personally, it's just like, I want some more fire, man. I want some more fire. I want some more optimism. I want some more get me excited. You know, it's just, I mean, we'll, we'll play some of the press conference from yesterday. Yeah. It's just like. Well, do you want to hear the Tomlin one? Uh, yes, I do want to hear the Tomlin. Because this might wake yes, you up. I, do I, want to hear the I think you one. might enjoy this one. This and this, might make me even more. It angry. almost applies to everything in life if you hear the words. Okay. Man, in the growth and development of this thing, man, I'm talking to you about 
norms, expectations, mindsets, mindsets that you should have. And it's always good to acknowledge reasonable expectations. I expect you get better in all areas, man, whether it's the, the knowledge relative to what it is that you do, the maintenance and the preparation of your body, the understanding of the game, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You need to continually be a guy on the rise. That is a reasonable expectation as opposed to just coming in here putting in time. What do I mean by that? I mean the things that made you viable in the past aren't going to be the things that make you viable moving forward. Wow. You better be continually getting better yep. as long as you're sitting in rooms like this. I ain't doing my job if I'm not pointing that out. You guys that have been here and know what it's about, man, we expect you to be significantly better. Wow. Hear the words. You were a young guy, man, we might have tolerated mental errors a year ago. We'll have less tolerance for it moving forward. It's just a reasonable expectation. And so let's just be really transparent, man, about expectations in this business, about how competitive it is. I never want you worrying about people on the outside, even the man sitting next to you. This is a man versus himself battle. You got to be continually pressing to get better with that understanding that this is a highly competitive line of work that we're in. Wow. Wow. That's what, one thing Rondé always said. You know, you wake up every day, you're either getting better or you're getting worse. What's it going to be today? What's it going to be today? You're getting better or you're getting worse? What's it going to be today? How are you going to make yourself better? And that, you know, and that apply, he, he applies that to his life right now. <laughs> Fifth, what, 10 years after he's played a down in the NFL. But that's how five foot 10, 185 pound corners make it to the Hall of Fame. Um, and, and, and it's no accident that Mike Tomlin was Rondé Barber's position coach here in Tampa Bay. And, and, that, and it's that type of charisma, that type of expectation. I mean, I, I'm not trying to be mean to Todd, but can you see Todd giving that speech? Maybe he does in closed doors, but I don't know, know look, if it has that look, the same Steelers, to the, it. The Steelers put it on on their social media. They yeah. recorded it and put it. Are we recording Todd Todd Bowles' <laughs> messages to the team and putting it in there? The the Bucks put out a remember the video they put out last year when yeah, everybody yeah. was talking about Todd Bowles doesn't have a lot of fire. Yeah, and they put it out there, and I was like, and that's supposed to tell me he's got a lot of fire. <laughs> I mean, it did the opposite for me. It did the opposite for me. I mean, it's one thing. Like I, mean, I just, you, I hate talking about this because I love the guy. Yeah, yeah. I love. And you the hear that the players say that he is like that, you know. But is he? <laughs> I don't know. We, I just I mean, know, like I listen to that. There's microphones everywhere. I just know I listen to that, and you know, maybe it's unfair of me to compare it to that because we're talking about a Hall of Fame head coach yeah, here and Mike yeah, Tomlin. Yeah. But then again, expectations being what they should be around here. Frankly, after the success we've had. You expect a little better, but you listen to Tomlin speak like that. Maybe Todd Bowles gives those messages, but I don't know if it has the same oomph. No. I don't know if he has the same look in his eye when he delivers it like Mike Tomlin does. Look, we, how long have we been around Coach Bowles? How long have we been around Coach Tomlin? We know them both. Yes. If we haven't seen it by now, it does not exist. Right. It does not exist. And this is just the type of coach that he is. Now, if he tried to be Mike Tomlin... It, it probably w it would come off as inauthentic right. and be bad. Yeah, that, that's the, so, there's a but, fine line that, between this. Is I want Todd to be Todd. But, but that's the point. You hired this guy and you brought him back this the year. The problem is, is Todd being Todd, is that's right. what's best for business. 
Exactly. As, as a, a head coach. As a head coach. Yeah. Great defensive coach. coordinator. Great defensive coordinator. But you could just look at what happened last year. What is Bruce, Bruce Arians, that guy? Bruce Arians is that guy we just saw. Him and Tomlin are very similar. They're high expectations guy, motivational guys. They know when they speak, there's a credibility and there's an aura to them of like, I expect this of you. I've been there to the mountaintop. I've done it. You better you know, bring your ass along. Yeah. Whereas you look, Todd Bowles, you look, he's won a Super Bowl with us as a defensive coordinator. But as a head coach, where you look at him as a head coach and you, and you, you go, not impressed. Not impressed by it. And then I say, and, I, and, and, and what I've been saying, you know, Dallas to Dallas. Look at this football team last year. Dallas to Dallas. Dallas won, coming off Bruce Arians' tenure, an ass-kicking of the Dallas Cowboys in their own backyard. An ass-kicking. The end of the season, after a year under Todd Bowles, an ass-kicking in your own house by Dallas. Did that team get any better? No, I think they got worse. Did that team get any better? (laughs) I think they got worse. Over over the year, under his tutelage, did it get better? No. They got horribly worse. I mean, and a a goat saying your game day effort is embarrassing. And yet the Glazers brought him back. And this is my only – I think this roster is good enough to win this, this division. Not a Super Bowl, good enough to win the division, be competitive. But it's the coaching that has me giving pause because this is an emotional game. It's an emotional game, and it's a game of expectations. It's a game of accountability. It's a game of of emotion. And Todd just doesn't seem to push guys to that level. He doesn't. He's not a guy that really inspires you like a Mike Tomlin. As much as I love the dude, I love the dude, I have to sit here as, a, as an objective and analyst and say, as a head coach, what is he bringing to the table? I mean, well, you, he, you're the leader of the freaking franchise, man. Yeah. You are setting the freaking tone. And, and, and you, see what, you see what it is in, in Mike Tom. And everybody does it different ways. Tony Dudgett did, did it in a very quiet way. Right. But he got the job done. He had a track record. I can see the success, and I've you know, and I've seen Tony give these type of speeches, and it's quiet, but it hits. It hits a different way. And with my, with Todd, you just well, even say to Andy Reid. I mean, I don't think he's the most no. rah rah guy. No, but he commands a room when he speaks. Oh, he does. There's just a difference oh, there. He like does. I'm not even Bill to an extent. I don't think he's a rah rah guy. No, but when he speaks, obviously he carries a lot of weight. Well, because the resume is, you know, he can turn his back and you can see the back of his football card. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's, and there's it's like you know what's there. up there. When you look at Bill and, Belichick, and, you see six Lombardis. And in general, you know how I feel about the league right now I, I feel like you have to have an offensive head coach in the NFL today I think it's almost a prerequisite to win a Super Bowl mm-hmm. I truly think that way and mm-hmm. I, I look at the AFC I think this is a good example too we've been saying that we found like you know there's Mahomes there's Allen and there's Burrow right as the three standouts in the AFC and we all think that okay those guys are going to run the league for the next 10-15 years in that conference it's like Brady Manning and Roethlisberger right. I guess the right. modern era of that well, one of them has gone to three Super Bowls and won two. Mm-hmm. The other went to a Super Bowl and went to an AFC title game, got really close in Burrow. Mm-hmm. The other one, mm, not maybe, so much. Maybe regressing. And who, what's the what's the, uh, the the outlier there? 
defensive head coach. Yeah. Defensive head coach. And then you look around, what's going on right now? Issues with the star receiver. Mm-hmm. Right, the star the receiver, a little bit. the star receiver walking out off the, or leaving the locker room early they, after the playoff loss. They had a new offense coordinator last year too. Um, what? What? Um, it was Dorsey. Yeah, and and Allen's interception problem crept up again. Yeah, yeah. And, and Dorsey and Brian Dayball, they let him get out the building. It right. probably was more huge, logical huge for Brian loss. Dayball to be the head coach rather than Sean McDermott, if we're being completely honest. I just think defense. I think there. I think that's a valid thing. Is they defensive head coaches always worry about? Oh, well, we got to. Their offensive line as defensive head coach has not improved the offensive line in five six years of being there. Right. That's a valid criticism. Whereas KC and Cincinnati are always changing it. Always going to make it better. Offensive head coaches, obviously. Mm-hmm. I think there's a difference there in the philosophy. And that's why defensive head coaches right now just give me pause around the league. Most of them. Mike Tomlin's almost the outlier at this point because he's just so he just outweighs everything because he's such yeah. a great coach. Yeah. And a motivator. Intern Nick. Well, actually, sorry to interrupt, but we have some breaking news oh, from do? the world of basketball. According to Adrian Wojnarowski, Michael Jordan is finalizing a sale of the Charlotte Hornets, ending his 13-year ownership of the team. A Woj bomb. Oh, yeah. A Woj bomb. And it went fabulously well for him. No, it did not. <laughs> yeah, it did. He probably made money on the deal, though. Not like oh, he yeah. needs to make like, any money. The entire what thing does he is, make, like $600 million a year from Nike or some ridiculous amount? I mean, it's he's one of the that. richest people. Cool. He's yeah. so rich. I have yeah. to go look at the credits of Aragon, which yeah. told me. Yeah. yeah, he makes a lot of money from Nike every year. Uh, interesting that he's getting out. Yeah, the official ESPN article says he's selling it to a group led by Gabe Hoping I'm going to say these names right, Plotkin and Rick and Rick uh, Schnell. Whatever. Yeah, one is the minority owner of the Atlanta Hawks, but he will sell that. Right. What's most interesting is Jordan will continue to oversee basketball operations through Yikes. next Thursday's NBA draft and the start of free agency on July first. Oh, one thing that he's always sucked at. Right. <laughs> once the sales expire, once the sales compete, Jordan's expected to keep a minority stake and a presence in the franchise. Wow. So, so yeah, kind of a That's kind sell. of weird. He's yeah. more he's more into NASCAR right now. Although I he really think, is I think I think a, I think a lot of people um, we're, we're seeing this across the, across the way. There are a lot more sports franchises are being sold lately. Oh yeah. I well, think, the values. Well, the values <laughs> are sky high, and you know there's an economic uh, disaster on the horizon. So I think they all are like, I'm getting out while I'm going to cash out while I can while I can cash out. So. Yeah. Uh, probably, you know, again, smart move. By, in terms of, when it comes to money, he's brilliant. When it comes to drafting, not so much. And free agency. Yeah, yep. for uh, everything. Yeah. Um, he made fun of that GM the entire time in the last dance, and then it was his turn. <laughs> he couldn't even get that right. Not so good. Not yeah. so good. All right, thank you for that update. Um, all right, so, look, it, it, we are where we are. You know, Todd Bowles ain't going anywhere. But, um, you know, uh, we'll, we'll – I think that's something that's sorely lacking on this team, and there's going to have to be some leadership that steps up. Well, Maybe I mean, some of the other can coaches. Dave, can Dave Canales outweigh some yeah. of it? Because we know he's got fire. He does. He does fire. He's got, um, but he doesn't have the resume. He doesn't have the gravitas. You know, you can stand up in front of the room and give a great speech, and that's great. But no, but I mean, just the way the players have talked about yeah. him so oh, far, absolutely. they seem like they've, they're all in on him. Absolutely, absolutely. But it doesn't have the weight of the head coach and a Mike Tomlin. Like, his, his personality is not going to drive this team, I wouldn't think. Um, so, you know, anyway. All right, let's get into the Rays because we got Scott Reynolds coming up here. Uh, big win yesterday at Oakland. Um, 
Taj Brasley was just ridiculous. Struck the nine of the first nine outs, strikeouts uh, gets eleven of the first twelve as strikeouts, and I mean his stuff was just freaking electric. It was so good, um, but then he runs into trouble. A couple of bloops. Um, yeah, just unlucky. Yeah. A little unlucky there. Yeah, a little, little unlucky, but um, maybe the, the key play of the game was a double play where the A's had bases loaded, nobody out, and Cash brings in, was it, was it uh, Kelly? Kelly yeah, got Kevin the, Kelly. Kevin Kelly. The ground ball merchant. Yeah, but it was not a ground ball. It was a <laughs> freaking missile. <laughs> yeah. It was an infield in, 108 off the bat, and, and, and Tyler, Taylor Walls is playing on the grass. Bro. I mean, the camera couldn't even get there quite quick enough, and he just feels it like it's nothing. You know what? You know what it's like to feel the ball coming at you at 108 miles an hour on the ground. Listen, Are you effing kidding me? Listen again, going back to my. Uh, <laughs> exactly. You do know. There's a reason why I'm not playing. Like, se- there's a reason why I'm not playing second base like, anymore. Where, where'd it go? <laughs> a screamer, it go? a screamer going underneath the glove. I God. know how exactly how it feels. And they turn the double play and get out of that with no runs, and then, um, well, it started with Manuel Margot who gets his first home run since April. Against the A's. Against the A's. Had two home runs against the A's earlier in the season, and he had to wait until they came around again to get his third, but it got him going early on in, the, in this one. Park. Why does Head Park not get more love? I, I, I don't know. I, and anybody For that's Valley been Sports there Sunday. has it right up at the top of their list. Spectacular. To deep left center field, Margot. He's got his first homer since April the 8th. Off the Manuel Margot is having quite a series, and the Rays lead 3-0. Off the State Farm baggie. God, what an awful. Goes yeah, what an wild. awful stadium. What an awful situation. We're going to talk about that. I can never tell what's a home run in that stadium. No, you can't. I, I'm, like, always confused. Yeah, because it's a football stadium. Um, here's uh, And then after they get the, the double play and get out of that, next inning... Luke Rayleigh comes up on, on a day where the ball was, uh, with wind was blowing in, and this is a this is a curveball that he just absolutely destroys. They're a tough team to beat right now. There's a drive. There's a drive. The Rays take the lead on a Luke Rayleigh homer. There's the moment, and it's four three Rays in the eighth. That's uh, Andy Freed doing TV this week, and. Uh, not 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 as smooth as as Dwayne. It's very different from it's very doing, different from radio. Very different from doing radio, and I think Andy's you know trying to let the the pictures tell the story, whereas he's so used to telling the story in words. It's a very very difficult transition. I do need to. Uh, I want. I wonder his if knowledge they have, of the game is just ridiculous. I do want to know if they have like the radio like calls back because I want to hear how Doug sounded on radio. Yeah, I do yeah. want to hear that. Yeah, be interested there, but I know Luke Rayleigh hits another home run. He seems to get big hits for this team, yeah, and don't does. look now, but. He's your leader for the Rays at OPS right now. Is he? With a 9, I think it, it's got up to 940 now. He's leading, Paul leading all Rays. That's a Paul Bunyan-esque OPS right there. Yes, it is. Yeah. He's, he's been fantastic for this team this year. Yeah, and that was a huge, huge hit. Because, I mean, you lose through three or four to the A's, and Baltimore wins again, Oof. which, you know, I mean, it just it, it, it sucks. But you're 50 wins, and you're, what, four games <laughs> up in the East? Four or five games up in the East? Could have been three. I mean, it's, it's crazy. But that's a big hit uh, for Luke Rayleigh. In a day, the, the ball was not flying out of that park, and that was a bomb. And then the, the, the bullpen has been fantastic lately, really, really good. And they finish it off and get the, um, 
get the four to three win. By the way, did you see the thing with Fairbanks? Split the series. Did you see the thing with Fairbanks? By the way, yes, we got to play that audio. Do I, I think I have that audio. I we have to find that. <laughs> yeah, we got to play the audio. This is such a great description of what happens. So, Fairbanks is on the DL, right? And he shows up with a freaking shiner, like a big old shiner, and everybody's like, "Oh my, was was there a Yandy Diaz, Randy Rosarina moment? <laughs> no, none of that. It was." Um, of his own making. And I'm not even want to talk about it. I will just let him describe it because it's one of the best descriptions of what happened. Here, here we go. This is so good. From Bally Sports. So we were playing in our, uh, at our new house in the pool, and I pulled this pool basketball hoop down onto my face after dunking on a three-year-old to, you know, kind of teach him an early lesson in life that, you know, when you're in the paint, you cannot be caught awares, unawares <laughs> underneath the rim. And... Did that end up with me with the black eye? Yes. So it was uh, it was fun. My wife has been making fun of me about it, as has pretty much everybody here. So it's been a it's been a good past you know like five days or whatever it's been. <laughs> you got to teach them early, man. You you got to show you cannot be caught unawares. My goodness, in a world of bad in, in, a, in a world of bad parenting, that is tops. That's tops. <laughs> just. That's top-notch stuff. That's good parenting. That's great that's parenting. That's great, great parenting. parenting. Right that's outstanding. If you, listen, we have such a soft <laughs> world these days. You got three years old, pool yeah. basketball. On the, yeah. I, on the listen, IL, don't matter. Don't matter. If you're, if you're in the paint, if you're in that wet paint in the pool, <laughs> in the pool, you're near the rim, you must be awares. You must be awares. You can't be unawares because I'm coming for you. Daddy's coming. Don't you, Daddy's coming with a two-hand <laughs> monster slam. That's going to bring down the backboard on my face. Can I, can I just say, by the way, like you listen to that sound bite, and then the one he had earlier, too, like after he had the bad game against the Mets, oh, I yeah, think. Yeah. And then just the way, he, like, his, the way he is on the mound with like the glove up here and the yeah. look he has. Yeah. Don't you love having, like, you want your clothes to have a little bit of psycho in them, right? He's quirky. Yeah, just a psycho. little bit of psycho. I was going to say quirky. He's psycho. He's got some psycho to him. Like what was who was the one? A, and he's got a look to him. Yes, he's got he's got like a psycho. He's got you know, the psycho look, psycho like the eyes, yeah. and especially with the black eye here. Yeah, when he, when he's you know like when he gets on the mat and he's wearing look the head, and he's wearing the headband, he's got a little. Um, I, I want to say Nick Nolte there. No, maybe. Um, oh no, it's uh, who's National Treasure guy. You're going to come to me for Nicholas movies? Cage. He's got a little Nicholas Cage in him right there. Interesting. Yeah. That's what he's got a little national treasure, crazy ass Nicholas Cage. See, I feel like if you put the, ma- the, the makeup on him, he could be a Joker. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Look at, look at, the, just look at his eyes in this photo. Yeah, there's some psycho eyes there. Yeah. He looks like, like I'm going to kill you in your sleep. That's what yeah. this looks like. And gotta, I like that in my closer. You got to teach him. Like, who's the one closer? They used to have these videos all the time back in the day of the clo- like most intimidating closers. Al Raboski. Because this used to be a thing. Who was the one dude who Goose used to Goose Gossage, like, number one. Well, yeah. But there was the one dude, I think he might have played for the Royals or was, the Cardinals. There was a guy who played for the Cardinals. His name was Al Raboski. Is that the one? Yeah, and he had, he had a big old bushy beard, right? And he would, and he, he had the Fu Manchu and the bushy beard, and he would he would go behind the mound. Yes, that's him. He would I go behind the, the mound, and he would just like he would like like. Yeah, that's the one. And he'd like put his back to it. He'd like be psyching himself, like doing a haka dance, and then he'd come up on the mound and he'd start you know throwing yes. throwing flames. That's the yeah, one. Al, the great Al Raboski. Yeah. No, he's but Fairbanks is a, he's he's not like the the high energy like big muscly guy though. He's the guy that you like if you were walking down the street and you just saw him, you'd be like, 
he'd walk on the other side of the street. Yeah, a little he bit. Because he's also just got like, some height to him. Yeah, he's just a little. He's got a little crazy eye in him. Yeah. And his interviews are fantastic. Hilarious. Oh, Love him. By the way, I mean, don't want to overshadow, but you kind of covered it a little bit. Don't want to overshadow, though. The, du- the double play by Taylor Walls, just, I'm not going to bring his name up. I'm not going to do it. What? I'm not gonna, you know who I'm thinking of. I'm not going to bring his name up, though, on the show. What? Oh, Brandon Lyle? Yeah, he don't make that play. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying. Yeah, so everybody's giving me flack. There, well, there are everybody, not many second everybody's, in this league. Everybody's coming at me right now. They're like, "Well, Taylor Walls is bad. He's gone a little quiet." And I'm like, "Well, his numbers have regressed right around where Brandon Lyles are, yeah. and he's giving me amazing defense." Yeah. I mean, again, if he you're just saved two, maybe three runs right there. Again, on that if you're play. if you're a war guy, his war right now is two, and it's he's good. hitting uh, two ten, two ten with a seven ten OPS, and his war is still sitting at two because defensively he's in the top ten. In war, and he's not even really an everyday player until the last week. Well, how many times do we come in here and say this defensive play won the game? It, it, they really do. Like he it's, makes so it, many plays to helping them win the game. I would say, I'm going to say, thirty to thirty-five percent of their games, I can pick out one defensive play that saved the game. Randy Arozarena in the corner diving catch. Yep. Um, Paredes to walls like last Paredes week. Paredes to walls double play won the game. This double play wins the game. I mean, when you're winning 35% of your game is because of your defense, I mean, you're, you know what? You're going to be the first of 50. And first of 50. They're the first of 50. And they may have fit, they may have 60 by the All-Star break. They I might. I mean, now they go into um, San Diego, into Petco Park, one of my favorite parks in, in the land, where they won the American League pennant during COVID. Some good juju. Yeah, good juju in that place. And they're going into it, but the Padres are – they're back to 500, I believe. They're starting to pull it together. They're two under 500. All right, they're two under 500. So right, Tatis has been killing it, though. Yeah, they're lately. starting to find it a little bit. So this is going to be a really, really good series. National TV on Saturday, 4 o'clock on Blake Fox. Blake Snell on the mound. Blake Snell on the mound. Who we got going? Tonight is, tonight, prospect? Well, tonight is a McClanahan versus you, Darvish. Ooh. A little ace matchup here. The Whirling Darvish. You, have, you haven't been great this year. The you ain't been good. No. The you ain't not been good. He, as I recall, though, he's bedeviled the Rays a bit. Yeah, he has. Yeah, he, a lot faced of soft a lot, stuff. Faced a lot, a lot of, when yeah. he was in Texas. Yeah, as I recall, the Rays have not fared well yet. But you know what? This and ain't the old this Rays. Is, this is about to say. This, these aren't your, uh, your mama's Rays mm-hmm. by no means. All right, quick break. When we come back, Scott Reynolds is going to join us. And from the Pewter Report, we're going to talk a lot of Buccaneer football. What did we learn during the OTAs? And I think one thing that we all – can probably agree on is I think the Bucks have a starting quarterback and that's a good thing that is a good thing as we sit here uh, heading into training camp so quick break we're brought to you by the Jeeves Law Group J-E-E-V-E-S Law Group.com if you've been involved in an accident they are the first and only people that you should call and if you've had your car totaled in an accident uh, and you don't think you got the best settlement you may still have a case so make the free call find out if you got a case you may get some money JeevesLawGroup.com, free call. And Bay Area Modern Medical Center. Back in three with Scott Reynolds. Hey, guys, are you experiencing those feelings of getting older, lower sex drive, fatigue, hot flashes, moodiness, or you just don't feel like you had the vitality you once had? It's a chronic problem here in the United States. You're not just getting old. It's likely low testosterone. Studies over the last 20 years show a shocking decline in younger males aged 16 to 39. Older men have seen a sharp decline as well. So do something about it. Go see my friend Christopher Lugo at Bay Area 
modern medicine. Look, testosterone replacement is not a frivolous treatment. It takes a professional, targeted approach that focuses on total body wellness, vitality, and emotional stability. Not a one-size-fits-all approach like many clinics use. They will monitor your blood work and adjust your treatment as needed for optimal results. Folks, I've been on testosterone therapy for over six years, and it is a life changer. You will feel and look better than you did 10 years ago. Give them a call at 844-977-3477 or go to BAMMC.com. Tell them JP sent you for priority scheduling. That's 844-977-3477 or BAMMC.com. JP here for the Jeeves Law Group. Have you been injured in an accident, in an auto accident, truck accident, motorcycle accident, at work or at a place of business? Well, call the Jeeves Law Group and get the personal attention that you deserve. I made the mistake many, many years ago with going with one of the bigger law firms, the national law firms. And let me tell you, getting a call back from those folks was next to impossible. Weeks and weeks would go by, never get a call back. That doesn't happen with the Jeeves Law Group. Personal attention is what they're all about. When you call the Jeeves Law Group, you will be part of the family. They will represent you in a vigorous and aggressive way against the insurance companies. These larger companies will promise bigger settlements, but it's the Jeeves Law Group that will get you the best results. If you're tired of dealing with these bigger law firms, check out the Jeeves Law Group. Go to JeevesLawGroup.com, tell them JP sent you, get a free consultation. It's the Jeeves Law Group. Scott Jeeves has been representing clients in the Tampa Bay area for over 25 years. Give them a call. It's a free call. 727-894-2929. 727-894-2929. Or go to JeevesLawGroup.com. During COVID, over 1.7 million people were added to the Florida Medicaid rolls, but as of April 1st, 2023, most of these people may not be eligible for the Medicaid coverage and will lose their health plan. If you have been notified you are losing your coverage, don't freak out. It's very likely you can apply for a federal subsidy under the Affordable Care Act. Just call 877-652-0244. Our representatives will walk you through the whole process, get some basic information on your income, number of kids, and then they'll find a plan that best fits your needs. In fact, with the new laws, 90% of Americans qualify for reduced or free health care. You can select great plans like Florida Blue, that's my carrier, love them, paying $800 left after making the call. 877-652-0244. Our highly trained professionals know all the intricacies of the new laws. They will do all the work. You save tons of money. So if you're being dropped from Medicaid, fear not. Call 877-652-0244. Get real health insurance, free doctor visits, free blood work, no deductibles. 877-652-0244. Hey, JP here for Extravaganza Productions Incorporated. EPI, you've probably seen their purple logo at so many events that you've gone to. They are based in Tampa. And for over 33 years, they've been creating and producing conferences, meetings, and special events. The biggest to the smallest, solid reputation of delivering the best audiovisual, sound, lighting, entertainment, video production, and decor on time and on budget. I've worked with them with so many big events. The Warrior Games, which was an Olympic-style event all over uh, Tampa Bay, from McDill to the Convention Center to USF. They did it flawlessly, made it look big and fantastic. I've worked with them on small events as well, uh, large and small meetings and conferences, sporting events, fundraisers. If you got a fundraiser, you don't know the logistical way to pull it off, they'll take care of everything. Entertainment events, branding events, grand openings, so much more. 
The folks at Extravaganza Productions are the most professional and the best. I've worked with them many times. They are fantastic. You can contact them through extravaganzaproductions.com or call 813-621-4700. Extravaganza Productions, they are awesome. Well, Fitz the Mortgage Guy did it again. A listener heard his ad was going to another big bank but called Scott Fitzgerald at American Mortgage Services of Tampa and Fitz saved him $618 on his monthly payment. Are you kidding me? Folks, that's big money. Rates are going up, they're going down, they're going all over the place. Scott will shop your loan and save you lender fees and get the best rates. Email him, scott at amstampa.com or call 813-294-7595. That's Fitz the Mortgage Guy. Lots of stuff going on right now and these rates are going all over the place. You need somebody knowledgeable in the market that will work hard for you and get you the best deal. That's my man Scott. He's done three loans for me, done thousands of loans for local folks here, works with a lot of the coaches and players in the area. He's the guy. 813-294-7595 or go to scott at amstampa.com. Coming back at you. Now, more with JP on Fan Stream Sports. Only just begun. All right, welcome back to the JP Peterson Show, brought to you by Bay Area Modern Medical Center, BAMMC.com. Chris Lugo and his medical team over there will get you right. Try that true body machine they got there. They'll hook you up to it, and it'll be like doing 50,000 crunches. You'll get all lean, get your 12 pack going, Nick. Come on, man. We got to get in there. Do that thing. He's having great success with his clients, working with you know folks that uh, are overweight, uh, a lot of athletes as well, as well models and some other people that want to lean up. Uh, it's a, it's amazing machine. So check it out at bammc.com and tell them JP sent you. All right, let's uh, go into uh, a chat with Mr. Washboard Abs himself. Look at that hair too, just fabulous. The great Scott Reynolds from the Pewter Report, who I got to meet your lovely daughter yesterday. Which was awesome. How are you, my friend? Or Mike Neighbors had his lovely daughter out there yesterday. I'm getting everyone confused. I can't hear. I can't hear him. Uh, are you on mute there, Scotty? Um, are we having one of our? Are we having one of our moments, Nick? Where we got to jump? We got to dump out and dump back in. Might be uh, here, Scott. Go ahead and rejoin the jump out and join the stream again here no mike had his intern out here this is how senile i'm becoming mike had his intern out there yesterday you had your your lovely daughter out there yesterday um so yes god man it's this getting old stuff is this alzheimer's is really bad how are you brother yeah you look Uh, i'm great just booked my uh trip to kansas state to see kansas state beat the ucf knights oh Uh, whoa whoa well, I'm just, I'm just saying. I mean, it's going to happen. Scott, just, don't, don't you know how this goes? We're blowing up the Big 12. We're going 13-0. and 0. We're going to put another banner on the stadium. This one's going to be real, though, this time. Don't you know how this works? Listen, you know I am uh, I'm a, a closet knight uh, out of all the Florida schools. Sorry, JP. I like the knights the best. They're kind of my know. in-state school, I but I did graduate that. from in-state. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, Nick and I have talked about this. I'm a charge-on kind of guy, except for when you play Kansas State. Then – then it's on. Then the purple power comes out, and uh, should be a fun time in, in Manhappiness on September twenty third. Um, I can't wait for college football season to start. By the way, uh, yeah, that's going to be. Have fun. you seen Florida's schedule? It's a bit challenging. The, ga- the Gators. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you, you, mean a, you mean a non-schedule yeah. of Florida State, UCF, and Miami? As as the yeah. uh, the non-SEC part of their schedule, and then still having to play Georgia, Tennessee, and 
I want to say LSU in there as well. Yes. Oof. Yeah. It's brutal. It's, it's, it's absolutely brutal. I mean, um, there's some schools that play cupcakes. Florida is not one of them this year. It is like all like what's their non-conference? I haven't seen. I, I don't remember. What I, the one that I just pointed out is for 2024 was their schedule, where their non-conference is Florida State, UCF, and Miami, which I think is pretty cool. Wow. They're going to play the entire yeah. state of Florida. Well, this year, wow. it was this year. No, that's, that's next that's next year. 24? Next year is the okay. is the one they're saying is like the wow. hardest schedule ever made. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good luck for it. Billy, Billy Napier better better recruit. He's, he's recruiting well. What are they eight? They no, they were in the top four. They were up in the top four for yeah. for this year, yeah, for twenty twenty four. So you know he need he's going to need some of them players uh, to get better yeah. in a hurry. But we'll, we no shall see. Hey, listen, we all know who's winning the national championship this year. Duh. I mean, it's FSU. Um, Travis, yeah, Jordan Travis is going to win the Heisman. FSU is going to win the Natty. So you ought to just jump on board now. And kind of who's, who's that like six foot ten receiver y'all have? Johnny Johnny Wilson. Johnny Wilson, man. Who I think you're going to love when you start scouting next year. Yeah, for, for next oh, year. Yeah. Love you some Johnny Wilson. Yeah. A little inconsistent, I've seen, I've seen but some, yeah. I've seen some highlight reels from him. Got yet. a lot of Mike Evans gotten, in him. Got a lot of Mike Evans yeah. in him. Yeah. Yep. I like I like him a lot, and they and they've just killed it in the portal. Uh, got Jordan yeah. Travis to come back. Got Trey Benson, who's I, I think you know going to be one of the top three running backs coming out this year. Um, they're yeah. loaded, bro. They are your edge rusher. Yep, yep. Verse, yeah. Jared Verse is, is coming. I don't know. They must be paying a lot of money. They're paying more than the NFL's paying because these guys are coming back to play. I don't know what Norvell yeah. is selling up there, but he's got this family. He's got this Bobby Bowden, you know, part of the family, football faith family thing going, and these guys are just eating it up in the portal. So, you know, I'm, I'm here for it. Now, they got LSU at the Camping Crap World Stadium in Orlando to start things up. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so we'll be there for that, and that's going to be a huge game because those those games, you know, they set up because when you go and you start getting towards the playoff, right? It, that's what differentiates some teams. Like, did you win those yeah. non, those good non conference games against an right. SEC team? So you have that, you know, if you're one and zero against the SEC or two and zero when you beat Florida, if you're two and zero against in the SEC. You're, you know, right. that's going to make your even if you got one loss in there somewhere, your resume is going to look pretty good. I agree. I, I think it, it sets up very well for the Knowles. Uh, I'm not anti Knoll. Mm-hmm. I'm just pro, pro UCF um, until you know until they play the men in purple, and then it's a different story. Yes. All right. So let's get to the men in pewter and red. And you know, I, I, we we started off today. I don't know if you you heard it, but probably not. We're playing a clip from Mike Tomlin's speech to his team yesterday. Okay. And it's, you know, kind of made the rounds on the Internet. It's classic Tomlin, you know, great motivational yeah. speech, the credibility, the gravitas, st- you know, standing up there. And you're just like, oh, yeah. man, I wish that was our guy. I, I wish yeah. I wish that was our guy. And as much as I yeah. love Todd Bowles as a human being, you know, I love him. He's, the, he's just the best of the best. It's yeah. just not there, man. It's just not. What did what, you tell your team before they left? Come back in shape. Be ready to play. Yeah. I mean. Uh, I'll, I'll say this. There's a different side to Todd Bowles. I've seen it. Um, I've seen a version of Todd Bowles when when the microphones aren't in his face and he's not up at the podium, and he he is different. He uh, he he talks in a little bit more colorful language, um, a little closer to Bruce Arians than you might imagine, and and I think that's the side that the players see. And, and even, like, when the Buccaneers show some of the post-game locker room clips, you know, 
um, even if they win or lose. It, it's not terribly fiery, but Bowles gets his message across in a particular way, and it just resonates. I mean, I, I have... Does it? Uh, yeah, it does. I, I, I've, I've actually talked to several, even offensive players. The defensive guys love him. They love him. And I talked to some offensive guys. Tristan Wirfs, Rashad White, Chris Godwin, trying to maybe poke holes at Ty Bowles a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't do it. They will tell you to a man that they love playing for the guy. And he, he is a great motivational speaker. It's just we don't get to see a lot of that. We don't get to see that certain side of it. He's not as transparent publicly as Bruce Arians mm-hmm. or John Gruden is, right. or animated guy. Right. And I think at the same time, too, it's like this is a team, and mentioning John Gruden, where John Gruden was so hands-off with the defense, right? He was the offensive play caller. He gave Monty Kiffin complete autonomy, very much like Bruce Arians did with Todd Bowles. Todd, this is your defense. You run the show. I'm going to work with Byron, and we're worried about the offense. So, Having said that, the you know the the situation with Bowles is he was hands off last year with Byron Leftwich. Um, he doesn't want anything to do with the offense, just like Gruden didn't right. want anything to do with the defense. Right. But yet he knew there was a problem with the offense, and he hopes that he's fixed it this offseason with Dave Canales. But he didn't fix it, it during the season. He didn't do. He didn't well, do what he had to do. He couldn't. He couldn't fix it during the season. He couldn't. If he fires Todd Bowles, I'm sorry, Todd Bowles fires Byron, Byron Leftwich. Right. Um, who does he put in? Ty Christensen? Anyone. He thought he was part of the problem. <laughs> anyone, okay? who, anyone who's going to call running plays like he wants. If you're the head coach and the guy's not doing what you want to do, and even the offensive, even the offensive line coach is saying, hey, we got the plays. They're not being called. I agree. I mean, I agree. at some point you got to uh, go, bye-bye. Bowles, Bowles couldn't. He did not have the green light to to do any firing until until after the Ravens game. Okay. At that point in time, at that point in time, that was when the Tom Brady divorce was just being finalized. And and I'll tell you what, JP, and this this is not coming from anybody's brain except for mine. This is my opinion, an educated one. If this was a different quarterback last year, I think I think Leftwich could have been gone during the season. The fact it was Tom Brady. They didn't want to rock the boat, Tom being the guy they didn't want to rock. Okay. Right? He was already he was already going through a lot with the divorce. That's he was not point. having his best season. Now you fire the guy who whether Brady ultimately liked or loved or disliked, Leftwich is kind of it, it's it doesn't really matter. But uh Tom likes stability. And if you're going to bail on his play caller and mm-hmm. give him Harold Goodwin or Clyde Christensen, or somebody else, that's not going to set well with Tom. And I think that it, and if it was a different quarterback, probably would have gone down differently. The fact that it was Tom, I, I think, had a lot to do with it. You know, and I don't want to belabor this point, so I want to get to your, your eyewitness stuff that you saw during the OTAs. But, you know, as I said in the, in the open, Dallas to Dallas. You know, the opener against Dallas, this team was exactly what Todd Bowles wanted. They ran the football. They were physical. They beat the shit out of the Cowboys. They did. Um, and then the last game against that same team, they got the shit beat out of them in their own house. That team under Todd Bowles. Yeah, I know. But under Todd Bowles, you're the, you're the man. You are the right. head coach. It stopped, yeah. The buck stops with you. Under Todd right. Bowles, they went from that to that. Over a season, yeah. as him as a head coach, that is not a good resume builder. It's not. 
It's not. I mean, you can sit there and look at that banner all you want in, in the team's <laughs> training facility. It looks nice, but at the end of the day, the Bucks' record was 8-9. and nine. And you can play all the woulda, coulda, shoulda games well if they would have kept Tom Brady and the starters in. They had a, what, a seven-point lead against the Falcons. They could have won at Week 18. Okay, but they didn't. I mean, I'll show you the record. It was 8-9, and nine, not 9-8. and eight. You add the playoff loss to the Cowboys, and it's really 8-10. and 10. Yep. That's why Todd Bowles needs to win this season. I think he's got to win at least nine games at least. to show improvement and um, to, to keep his job. And, and I, I applaud the guy for the stones that he has. He said at midseason last year, I'm not going to fire Byron Leftwich. I'm going to rely on my defense and the, and the greatness of Tom Brady to win us the division championship. And that's what happened. And then this offseason – uh, granted, they had some problems finding an offensive coordinator because some of those guys, like Todd Munkin, turned the Bucks down because of the perception that Bulls might be one and done mm-hmm. after this year, or really be two and done. But he went with with an unproven guy. There were a couple of guys that had play calling experience on their resume that Bulls could have gone with, and he said, "Nope, I'm going to go with Dave Canales." whose only play-calling experience was two years of high school before he got into college coaching and then ultimately in the NFL with 13 years with the Seahawks. But you know what? Kyle Shanahan, Zach Taylor, Mike McDaniel, Andy Reid, you have to start somewhere calling plays. Like There has to be that job, that opportunity. And here's the great thing. Todd Bowles does not want to fail. He wants to keep his job. Dave Canales knows... That this is his one and only shot. He's going to have one year. If this offense doesn't work, if it doesn't succeed, if Baker Mayfield doesn't turn it around, um, he is going to go back to being a quarterback's coach or a wide receiver's coach for a long time. He may not get another shot at being an offensive coordinator and a play caller. That's how important this is. Look at Raheem Morris. Yeah. Right. He's been a DC. He has not been a head coach since he got fired from the Buccaneers. Mm-hmm. It is so hard once you get knocked off the perch to get back on, unless you're an Andy Reid, a Dick Vermeil. You know, there's been some retread guys that have had some success right. elsewhere. Right. Bill Milichek, obviously. Yeah. Pete Carroll, but, but they're far and few between. So these guys are in it together. Canales and Bulls, they have to find a way to make it work. And here's one observation from, from Minicamp and the OTAs I really, really like. Really, really smart stuff by Todd Bowles. Not doing scripted practices. Treating every 11-on-11 period as a call-it period, which means I'm not going to tell you what I'm running. <clears throat> the coaches aren't going to get together like, like as usual practice and say, in this period, we're going to do blitz period. Todd, you bring the blitzes. We want to see corner blitzes because we want to have our backs and tight ends work at picking that up. Uh, we want to see uh, double A-gap blitzes because we want our center and guards to work on picking that up, plus the back, if, if one of those guys comes free. That's usually how practices are scripted between the coaches. The offense and the defense, they know what's coming because they've already scripted out what's going to happen. They don't know exactly what play call and when, but they know in this eight-minute block, this is what we're going to see. Todd Bowles is not doing that with Dave Canales. It's you show up and call your plays. I'll show up and call my place. I love it. Yeah. And, and, and I love it because we've seen, and, and Canals will script the first 15 plays just like Leftwich did, just like Arians did, just like John Gruden and Dirk Cutter did and Todd mm-hmm. Munkin 
everybody scripts the first series or two. Then after that, the adjustments are on, and you have to make adjustments, and you have to play live football. And and that's what Todd Bowles is doing for Dave Canales right now. I really think it's going to accelerate his learning curve. Uh, the players love it. The coaches love it. And Canales is really getting some of that real-time playing uh, game experience, play-calling experience in live situations where he doesn't know what's coming. That's going to continue in the training camp, and I think it's going to fast-track Canales' ability to make some in-game adjustments and, uh, and and make some play calls on the fly. Yeah, that's coaching up your coach. That's pretty good. I like, it is. I like that idea. All right, I, and I think you, you said it, you know, Baker Mayfield. You've been you've watched practices as long as I have, 25-plus years yeah. of, of the Buccaneers. And, you know, you, you don't need to see a number on the, on the starting quarterback's jersey. The way he moves, right. the way he interacts yeah. with his team, you know who the starter is, right? He's the guy. He's the guy. Yep. What you saw this week, well, I was only out there one day, but just the way he carries himself, the way the team reacts to him, it's Baker's job. It's Baker's it job. I mean, I don't I, – And it should be. He's got the most experience. If you're Todd Bowles and you have one shot, one year, <laughs> to get nine wins or more, and yeah. you're Dave Canales, and you're going to be putting your quarterback out there, and you're going to have one shot, one year, to prove that you can call plays to see 2024 in Tampa Bay. Right. Right. As an OC, not somewhere else as a receiver's coach or quarterback's coach, are you going to go with the guy that has nine NFL passes on his resume or the guy that has a playoff win leading Cleveland to 11 wins and and only and losing to the eventual uh, NFC, or I should say AFC, Super Bowl representative in Kansas City back in 2020? You go with Mayfield. He's the guy until he shows you he's not. Right. And he hasn't done that yet. We've seen more interceptions from Kyle Trask than Baker Mayfield in the practices we've watched, which has been three or four OTAs and then three minicamp practices in a row. Mm-hmm. And and we've already heard it. We already know the answers to the test. Both Bowles and Canales have said, the quarterback that turns the ball over least is going to get the job. And so far, that's Mayfield. Then you throw on top of it everything you just said. Yeah. The leadership, the moxie, the experience. All signs are pointing to Baker Mayfield. It's his job to lose. The only way he loses it is if he turns the ball over more than Kyle Trask. So when it comes to guys who uh, were not really participating in minicamp, obviously Devin White's the big one, which I'll get to in a second. But um, first and foremost, good to see Shaq out there, obviously, with everything he's been through. And But I wanted to bring up Russell Gage because... Who? Who? That's a fair question. Who? That's a fair question. And yeah. I mean, the second year in a row, he's just... It a ha- what is it, a hamstring this time around, I think? I, I don't know if we've even gotten a concrete answer on that. They don't talk about injuries, there you but go. It, it seems it, it like could it, be it could be something like that, right? But this is the second straight year. This is another. This is the second straight year for him learning a new offense, by the way, and he's right. nowhere to be found. So it's like, are you getting concerned almost that it's just not going to happen at some point for this guy if he just cannot be yes. available? Yeah, I'm very concerned. Uh, I've seen a lot of free agent busts here in Tampa Bay. Yeah, Starting with Alvin Harper back in the early days of my career, guys like Derek Ward, the running back from the Giants. Um, you know, uh, there, there's been a, a litany of guys. There's been some that have worked out. The Vincent Jacksons, you know, the obviously look at the Super Bowl teams, the Gronks. You know, he was acquired via trade, obviously. But but there, there's been some guys that just have not panned out from a free agency standpoint. And this, you know, Russell Gage might be the next one. We'll have to see. I don't like the fact that he missed all of the OTAs and the minicamp without seeing one snap on the field in this new offense. 
it's not like he can't pick it up. Mm-hmm. But I'm telling you, there are some talented wide receivers. Right. I'm not worried. Uh, not just Trey Palmer, but in the undrafted free agent class. Then you throw in the fact Devin Tompkins, he can play. last year's undrafted free agent star, made you know a, a yet another highlight real play going up over at five foot seven, 160 pounds, up over Anton Winfield and Anthony Chesley for uh, a, a touchdown in the back of the end zone where he, on a Baker Mayfield throw that was perfect. Yeah. He goes up and mossed two defenders. That's the second time we've seen him do that in camp. So you factor him and Devin Tompkins. Rakeem Jarrett is getting a lot of pub as an undrafted free agent from, from uh, Maryland. Like Cade Warner's made plays, the kid from Kansas State. Yeah. Uh, he's going for the slot receiver position. Ryan Miller has come out of nowhere, the, the former Furman tight end. He's a very undersized tight end. They moved him to receiver, like 6'1", 205. He's shined, especially in the red zone. Uh, Tay Barber from TCU. Uh, th- th- this is a very, very talented undrafted free agent class, not just a receiver, but across the board. Maybe the most un- the most talented undrafted free agent class the Bucks have ever had with multiple players going to make this team this year. Look out for Marquise Watts, the the kid out of Charlotte, the outside linebacker. Keenan Isaac, the tall, long cornerback from Alabama State. Jeremy Banks, the inside linebacker from Tennessee. Mm-hmm. There's just a lot of talent, not just in this draft class, but after the draft. And and I, I'm with you, JP. I'm not worried about the wide receiver position. No. It's going to be young after Evans and Godwin, and it's going to be a little small. Gosh, if something happens to to Mike Evans, Chris Godwin's your biggest receiver at six one two oh five. After that, but you know we'll see. Russell Gage, he's got to get healthy in a hurry and make a difference. Uh, he he had to take a pay cut from ten million to seven million. He can re-earn the three million dollar pay cut with with good play this year and putting up some numbers. So the the onus is on him to do so. He has all the incentives in the world, but can he stay healthy? Can he do it? That remains right. to be seen. Yeah. So when you look at the defensive side of the football, um, we, we talked at length about this yesterday. And, you know, Kalijah Kansi, I think, is such an interesting guy. I saw him for the first time in person yesterday. And the first, <laughs> the first thing small. that jumps out at you is, man, he yeah. is small. If you, if you, pass, if you passed small. him in the mall and somebody said, yeah, yeah that's the Bucks' first-round defensive tackle, you'd say, uh, yeah. no, that's the guy that runs the barbershop at the end, near the right. food court. Um, no, I mean, it's like, wow. But when you turn on the tape of this cat and then he impressed in OTAs, everybody just in the way that he handles himself. And I said, you know, without pads, you can't get a feel for who this guy is because he, it's right. his leverage getting under people, which they don't want him to do right now. Like stay out of right. people's legs. Get the, do yeah. not go near Ryan Jensen's knees. Um, exactly. yeah, so he can't show what he's got, but I've seen the right. tape and I've seen him and I've, I've, I've watched him at the podium yesterday he's all class he's all business yeah. he's all football he means business yeah and, yeah and i just and i think this is going to be a trend in the nfl you got your big guy in vita vea you got your small quick guy that can get in the gaps create mm-hmm. havoc and run down some of these really athletic quarterbacks and running backs right. and i i think this is a trend and i can't wait to see you know the the thunder and lightning, so to speak. The, the big guy yeah. and the small guy getting after and it. And then we have Logan Hall. Yeah. Let's not forget about him. Last year's top pick at the start of the second round, who's kind of in between. Yeah, he's up to around three hundred pounds now, so he's kind of a big guy. Looks much bigger. And he's 
he's taller than even Vitavea at 6'6". He's just a, a more athletic, quicker, faster version of Will Golston, which is which is good. Yeah. So you really have three different body types up front that can really give Todd Bowles some interesting chess pieces. I, I'm in agreement with you. And JTS the, the looks thing, a lot bigger, too, to me. He's thicker neck, he does. bigger dude now. Yeah. He does. The one thing I'll say about Kalaja Kansi is, and, you know, Mark Dominic had his faults for – uh, for some of, of the personnel moves that he made. You know, he drafted Gerald McCoy. He drafted uh, uh, Levante David. You know, he drafted Doug Martin. So, I mean, he's, he's drafted some, some talent. It wasn't like he was the worst general manager in, in Bucks history. That's probably Bruce Allen, uh, if not some of the, the earlier versions uh, back in the, the old Creamsicle days. John but, yeah, but one thing Dominic did was w- when he took over the general manager job, he put in the war room jerseys of some of the Bucks' greatest players. Warren Sapp, Derek Brooks, mm-hmm. Mike Altdott, Rondé Barber, for example. And you can look at those and say, okay, that, that's like, that's the Mount Rushmore, the Buccaneers. You know, just a couple of tweaks here and there. You got to add a couple guys. Right? You got to add Mike Evans and all that now. But the reason why he did that was if you look at all four of those players, you talk about street clothes. Yeah. Um, if you looked at Derek Brooks, even in his prime, um, he doesn't look like a football player. No, he, he no. just does, and that's all with all due respect. Warren Sapp was kind of squatty and fat, had a bad body, right? Yeah, yeah. But still one of the most athletic, strongest, deadliest pass rushers of all time. Um, Mike Allstott, kind of a slow, lumbering, yeah. Yeah. you know, thick quad, thick butt, kind of you know, white like dude. And then you got yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. And then you have Rondé Barber. You know, five, five, ten, maybe five, nine. Yeah. And the, his whole point was: these are the greatest Buccaneers, right, outside of Leroy Selman. But none of them fit the athletic profile. No. None of them pass the eyeball test and say, "Ooh." Yeah. You know, none of them look like Simeon Rice. Nope. That was kind of his. Point. Yeah. And and so sometimes you have to take a chance on that because that guy was Aaron Donald, also, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And. And, and you have to find those exceptions to the rule because they do exist. And when they're exceptions to the rule, what are they? They're exceptional. Exceptional players are Pro Bowl players, and they have a chance to become Hall of Fame players. And, and I think that was really smart. And, of course, his director of college scouting, Dennis Hickey, didn't see it that way. He drafted these Sabby Piscatelli, Quincy Adonis. Black, whistled. Yeah. yeah. Adonis body dudes that just weren't football players. Right. These guys that Dominic was talking about were football players. I think Elijah Kansi is a football player. Agreed. And yes, there are going to be times where he gets completely double teamed and wiped out. Um, you got to be careful how you use him and you have to scheme him. But man, if it, it, I, I'm going to give Todd Bowles the benefit of the doubt. This guy can scheme, man. Yeah. And I'm curious to see how he's going to scheme Elijah Kansi to not just get can't see some sacks himself, but create opportunities for others. So I feel almost obligated to, to ask a Devin White question. I know we've beat it to sure. death, but until it's resolved, it's it's not resolved. Yeah, it's and we long. and we had new stuff come up this week. I heard what Devin, or, uh, Todd Bowles had to say. I heard yeah. what Levante David had to say, and I, right. I love what Levante said more, obviously. But yeah. just going with the Todd Bowles said, I mean, I think you might have mentioned this on your podcast that it was just another cover up. It kind of sounded like, and you know, like. in a bad lie, if we're being honest yeah. here. I mean, but then I hear what Levante says, and he makes it sound like, yeah, he just he got too emotional or whatever. Like, 
I mean, where are we at with this thing? Because, like, I'm hearing one thing from Todd where he's not physically ready to play, which is odd because yeah. why? how is Levante physically ready to play? Right. Everybody, <laughs> everybody else is. So, I mean, yeah. what did you make, really, of Todd comments and, I guess, Levante's as well? Well, go back to last year. What were we all saying at, at the, the OTAs when Leonard Fournette showed up? I'm looking forward to that. I'm going to wait, <laughs> you know. And same with Vita Vea. Vita Vea showed up in great shape this year. Last year, I mean, even – Todd Bowles said, yeah, like he's got some work to do before camp gets here. And the year before that, Vita Vea, Bruce Arians was saying that. So Vita shows up to camp this year in shape. The two previous years, he was out of shape. But what happened? They still practiced. Devin White looks like he's in shape to me, right? He has been working out. Um, so if you're going to put guys that are obviously out of shape out there on the practice field at OTAs to work out, why couldn't you've done that with Devin White? That's why it smells like a cover-up to it's me. It's a cover-up. Um, we all know. That. At the same time, I don't think that Todd Bowles is doing anything dastardly or, or, or nefarious about this. Um, the team doesn't want six more weeks of negativity about Devin White. Right. They don't want a, is he going to show up to be disgruntled? Is he, is he, is he going to hold out a training camp? You know, They don't want that narrative. So come out and, and tell a white lie, a cover story, whatever you want to call it. I get it. Yeah. And, and say that, you know what, we're, we're going to hold him out and he'll be ready to go for training camp. And I think what, again, this is my opinion. It might be educated, but it's an opinion. Uh, the team is hoping that with each passing day, you get closer to football season, that Devin White's emotions will be extinguished and that he'll be resigned to showing up to training camp and getting ready to play. And that time will heal the wound and that he'll be more focused and ready to go. And if he does participate in minicamp, then he's subjected to questions from the media. But if he doesn't participate, then you can say, well, Devin's not talking this week, just like Ryan Jensen. Well, Jensen was not a full participant, he, so he's not going to talk um, about his knee. He was held out of certain drills and all that. So there's some cover given to Devin White. And I think that the reason why the team did it was actually kind of a noble one. They don't want the distraction. They want everybody to calm down from Devin to the, to the media and, and just be prepared to play football, right? In six weeks, nothing's going to change, Devin. You're still going to be playing for the Buccaneers. You're still not going to get your money. Show up and play. Right. And that's what I think the hope is, is to just kind of quelch the narrative right now and that if Devin decides he doesn't want to participate in training camp practices, then that's a story for another day. Right. No, it's the smart thing to do. I'm frustrated. I think a lot of fans are frustrated. You, all you need to do is go back to the Jonathan Drouin situation for the Lightning. It's analogous in that you know he, he leaves and goes home like a little baby, but the organization didn't go crazy and just cut him and get nothing after him. What did they do? They, brought, they were patient. They brought him back. They rehabbed his image, put him back in the NHL, got his trade value back up, and as soon as they could, he was out. And what, what did that turn into? Mikhail Sergachev. So, That's right. so you, you know, if if they if he wants a trade, you beating him up right now and saying he's not here right. and he, he should be he should be in shape and you know yeah. that like I want I want to hear somebody say somebody hold him accountable right. at some point. It's not a smart thing to do publicly. It's not. Correct. I get it. You're you're 100 percent correct. I I was and, wrong and you know, I, when I said I wanted hey. Todd Bowles to call him out. But at some point, yeah. you got to call him out. At some point, but now is not the time. Or trade him, or, or you don't call him out. You just trade him during the season. Yeah. You know, um, maybe maybe that's what you do. And and um, you know, that's when Roquan Smith got traded was exactly. in season. 
Yeah. It wasn't off season. They were during training camp. It was in season. So we'll see how it all plays out. Um, listen, Devin Smith had a front row seat to watch Servasia Dennis get a pick yeah, six. Yeah, don't want, yeah he did. Yeah. Just minutes into the 11 on 11 practice. So, you know, to, to me, that, that's, uh, you know, that was something, right? And it was something. It was something. Was something. Good, man. Yeah, He's, he has been really, really on top of of uh, of his game, his his practices. Um, hey, exactly, exactly. My dog. He's he's saying, "Get out of here, Devin." <laughs> trade him. I heard him. That's what you said. Not said, yet, Moose. Not yet. <laughs> said, trade we'll have to see. He said, "Trade that dog." So Moose is trying to join the show. All right. Well, that's good. It's time for you to go anyway. So I know you got to go walk, yeah. Moose. So all right, Moose. He's coming. Shut. Uh, tell yeah. everybody how they what's coming up on Peter Report in the quote off season for the next couple of weeks. Yeah, so go to puppyreport.com. No, I'm sorry, <laughs> not Puppy Report. Peter Report. Um, my dog would like to get a Puppy Report. Yes. Maybe he's the editor there. Uh, PeterReport.com. The Bucks' uh, best off season coverage you're going to find continues all throughout the summer, all the way leading up to training camp. And of course, you can follow us on social media to report on twitter facebook and instagram and on our youtube channel which is nearing eleven thousand subscribers nice that is peter report tv where we have podcasts mondays through thursdays mondays and tuesdays were at 4 p.m and then wednesdays and thursdays are at 7 p.m so we hit the 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 at work crowd when you don't want to like wrap up your work day and and you want to watch some bucks content you can check out peter report tv and then we also have the, the primetime, nighttime crowd as well during the week. So that will continue all summer long until we get to training camp. So, oh, you get us uh, through the hot a, summer. A, a, it, it is. A, a, we have a lot of great previews coming up, getting all Buccaneer fans informed about their favorite team all summer long. Great stuff, Scotty. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. We'll talk, uh, chat with yep. you down the line. Appreciate it. All right. Yep, um, you got it. Thank you. That was my mic. Thanks, Scotty. Um, yeah, it's just, it's what we got six weeks, five weeks to training camp. So we'll be, uh, we'll be fine. We'll be, we'll be, we'll get you guys through. We'll get you guys through. We'll take a little vacation here and there, but we'll get you guys through. And, uh, we'll, we'll get, we got lots of, uh, other teams to talk about and get you ready for your fantasy drafts coming up. So lots to get to. All right. We'll take a break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to hear the commissioner talk about the A's stadium situation and how that may apply to the Rays stadium situation and uh, John Romano wrote a column today about the stadium situation so we'll kind of take a look at that and more when we come back here on the J.P. Peterson show stay with us This is for all you guys who don't want to go to the gym and do 5,000 crunches. At Bay Area Modern Medical Center, you can get on the new True Body Machine where you can reduce fat and tone up your muscle. It's like doing 54,000 crunches in just 15 minutes. Define your body as you see fit. True Body offers personalized muscle stimulation that delivers the equivalent of those 54,000 crunches in just 15 minutes. Just Get in touch with them at Bay Area Modern Medical Center, BAMMC.com. Chris Lugo and the team over there will set you up on True Body and get amazing results. Non-invasive with comfortable and little to no pain and zero downtime. You can isolate and target those areas that you want to improve and treat multiple areas simultaneously. It's an amazing machine, so check it out at Bay Area Modern Medical Center, BAMMC.com. 
Well, Fitz the Mortgage Guy did it again. A listener heard his ad was going to another big bank but called Scott Fitzgerald at American Mortgage Services of Tampa and Fitz saved him $618 on his monthly payment. Are you kidding me? Folks, that's big money. Rates are going up, they're going down, they're going all over the place. Scott will shop your loan and save you lender fees and get the best rates. Email him, scott at amstampa.com or call 813-294-7595. That's Fitz the Mortgage Guy. Lots of stuff going on right now and these rates are going all over the place. You need somebody knowledgeable in the market that will work hard for you and get you the best deal. That's my man Scott. He's done three loans for me, done thousands of loans for local folks here, works with a lot of the coaches and players in the area. He's the guy. 813-294-7595 or go to scott at amstampa.com. Insurance coverage can be confusing and expensive. I mean, where do you start? Which companies can you count on to pay out fast and fair? Well, call the great folks at Italiano Insurance. It's a family-owned business. Jeff and Nat Italiano are carrying on the 60-year-plus tradition of giving amazing customer service and giving back to the community through their annual backpack drive for needy students and their support of the local pediatric cancer patients but it's the customer service that sets them apart they can shop all your insurance needs and save you big time money don't hop on the internet and waste time looking at some bogus reviews talk to knowledgeable agents and not some voice generated robot these are confusing times for homeowners and italiano's team of experienced professionals can provide the right coverage for every situation home auto business life it's italiano for all the pieces of your life Call 813-877-7799 or go to italianoinsurance.com. During COVID, over 1.7 million people were added to the Florida Medicaid rolls, but as of April 1st, 2023, most of these people may not be eligible for the Medicaid coverage and will lose their health plan. If you have been notified you are losing your coverage, don't freak out. It's very likely you can apply for a federal subsidy under the Affordable Care Act. Just call 877-652-0244. Our representatives will walk you through the whole process, get some basic information on your income, number of kids, and then they'll find a plan that best fits your needs. In fact, with the new laws, 90% of Americans qualify for reduced or free health care. You can select great plans like Florida Blue, that's my carrier, love them, paying $800 left after making the call. 877-652-0244. Our highly trained professionals know all the intricacies of the new laws. They will do all the work. You save tons of money. So if you're being dropped from Medicaid, fear not. Call 877-652-0244. Get real health insurance, free doctor visits, free blood work, no deductibles. 877-652-0244. Hey, JP here for Extravaganza Productions Incorporated, EPI. You've probably seen their purple logo at so many events that you've gone to. They are based in Tampa, and for over 33 years, they've been creating and producing conferences, meetings, and special events, the biggest to the smallest, solid reputation of delivering the best audiovisual, sound, lighting, entertainment, video production, and decor on time and on budget. I've worked with them with so many big events, the Warrior Games, which was an Olympic-style event all over uh, Tampa Bay from McDill to the Convention Center to USF. They did it flawlessly. 
made it look big and fantastic. I've worked with them on small events as well, uh, large and small meetings and conferences, sporting events, fundraisers. If you got a fundraiser, you don't know the logistical way to pull it off, they'll take care of everything. Entertainment events, branding events, grand openings, so much more. The folks at Extravaganza Productions are the most professional and the best. I've worked with them many times. They are fantastic. You can contact them through extravaganzaproductions.com or call 813-621-4700. Extravaganza Productions. They are awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, let's rock. This is FanStream Sports with JP. All right, welcome back to the JP Peterson Show here, brought to you by the great folks at Extravaganza Productions, Paul Thomason and his crew over there. If you have a, a big event, a charity event, you don't know how to logistically put it all together with the audio and the visual and the and the decorations, and you want to make it big, you want to make it pop and look big, EPI. They're the they're the people. Extravaganza Productions, they have a warehouse full of props from you know palm trees to huge footballs to Game of Thrones thrones. I mean, it's it's like a playhouse in that place. I've been in there. It's crazy. But the point is, they can do anything that you want to be done. They will come up with ideas for you. In fact, you can have a creative meeting with them for free. Just go to their website, extravaganzaproductions.com, and you can, they will literally bring you in and say, hey, you say, hey, I got a charity event. It's going to be three, 400 people. Where, what's a good space? What do we do? Maybe a theme here or there if you just don't know where to go. And they'll make it look professional and be professional and be at the upper echelon. So, I mean, how do you do it? If you want to try and do this by yourself and hire this company and this, don't do it. Like Extravaganza Productions do the whole thing. They just did, uh, see my Las Vegas smash hat, by the way, the champions of the, uh, the Pro Padel League. They just did the Pro Padel League tournament out in Zephyr Hills, did a fantastic job with that. So any meetings or events, large or small, Extravaganza Productions, the first people to call. That rhymed. I have to go with that one. Let's, let's, let's uh, record a, that. That's a winner right there. Yeah, that's, their, that's their new tagline. Extravagance Productions. Uh, give them a call over there. Go to their website, extravaganzaproductions.com. Um, let's get to some comments before I get to uh, the columns. And before we go off on the toad. Before we go off on the toad. <laughs> Wait till you hear XA's players, Brandon McCarthy's quote on Rob Manfred. Fan-freaking-tastic. Do we have a, do we have a uh, little argument here between a couple of our... Our wonderful commenters here. Yes, and there, and this is a this is a show where we welcome all opinions. All and we can opinions. have a debate. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Buck's basement <clears throat> started it here. He said, uh, "This defense got torched in 2022. Bulls defense are overrated. Blitz too much, and make rookies and third string quarterbacks uh, look like all pros." Uh, Richie responded by saying, "Overrated? Come on, dude, don't get carried away." And then I chimed in here in the chat saying. Um, and maybe this is maybe this is going far back, a little too far back. But I said this is the same defense scheme, schematically, and coach calling the plays that held the best team in the NFL over the past decade, and the best quarterback that my eyes have ever laid eyes on. Yeah. Um, out of the end zone. Out of the end zone, held the nine Bowl. points in a Super Bowl. Yeah. So how overrated can he really be? Not too shabby. Not too shabby. Um, and Buck's basement said, uh, how many rookies and third-string quarterbacks need to torch our defense to make it clear that we don't have a good enough defense? Also, can we stop bringing up 2020? It's 2023, and last year's defense sucked at the end. It did. Which I'm not going to debate you. I, I, it, I told you got worse. last year the Bucks' defense was complete fool's gold. I didn't really care where they were in the standings because when it was time for the big games and the offense was doing its thing, now that, 
didn't help. The offense not doing their thing really hurt the defense all year long. It did, big time. So they kind of go hand-in-hand there, Mm -hmm. but they were a no-show. I mean, the the San Francisco game is the one that sticks out like a sore thumb. Yeah. We didn't go into that game very confident, I'd argue, anyway. Right. But when you watch Brock Purdy just do his thing and you got guys running wide open, I think that's what bothered me the most is is guys running wide open. The playoff game was was the playoff game was ridiculous. I mean, that C.D. Lamb, you know, wide open in the end zone, you know, guys looking at each other right. on a day one install right. combo coverage. But, but as I said, and we talked about this at length yesterday, the secondary was, was not great last year. That's no. true. But no. you need a consistent pass rush to have a great secondary. When we lost Shaq. And when you lost Shaq and you're working with JTS and Anthony Nelson. William Golston, Vita <laughs> Vey is getting doubled, leading your team in sacks. I don't know what, I just don't know what you can do. Honestly, as as I mean, I know it's your well, you job gotta, as the defensive coordinator to coach around to it. coach around it. You do, but at some point, it's very you know, no, Jimmy. I'm I, I still think sometimes it's it's I'm Jimmy not and Joe. Giving him a pass. No, no, every team gets injuries. Every team gets injuries in the NFL. And your if your defense is way worse at the end of the year, with I mean, Shaq was a loss, but you you can't go from shutting down an offense like you did in Dallas to letting them do whatever the f they want in your own no, building I agree. in the playoffs. I absolutely agree. And not point the, the finger at the freaking defensive coordinator. Like, that's bad football. That's bad, bad, could we, bad Can we just all agree? It was a train wreck. Just everything about this Bucks team was a train wreck Who was the head year. coach? Yes, I understand that. I'm just not going to throw in the towel on his defense right now. I'm not throwing in of the all towel. The things that I could, not, in fact, of all the things very, I could point I've at, I'm not going to. I've highly about it. Exactly. But if it doesn't, I, and my, my point being, he's got the freaking Jimmys and Joes. He's got the he's got the guys to be the the, the talent to be a good defense. Yeah, he pointed that out. If yesterday. They don't put it together, especially with the young quarterbacks they're going to be facing this year. If they're not a top five defense, at least well, a they, top ten defense, then there's there's they've there's upgraded. Issues. They've upgraded at every level as far as I'm I concerned. Uh, I think the addition of Kalijah Kansi slash Greg Gaines is going to be miles better than what you had out of Akeem Hicks and mm-hmm. Rakeem Nunez-Roches last year. Especially when you throw in Diaby and, you know, maybe you yeah, get something out of Then I go, to the, yeah. I go to the edge position. You throw Yaya Diaby in there and you throw Jose Ramirez if you can get something out of him in there. And all of a sudden, Anthony Nelson is not the number two option right. as the pass rusher, especially if Shaq is healthy. And then I, I can't say it enough. Ryan Neal, I don't think people understand. This guy is going to be a substantial substantial upgrade over a Logan Ryan or Keanu Neal. I truly believe that. The guy got all pro votes last year. Yeah. I don't think he can deny that. And Antoine Winfield, playing his natural position again, is going to be a Pro Bowl player like he was the two years prior. So we agree. You got the Jimmys they, and Joes. Yes, I you think this year, better... this year they have everything. There's no excuses. If they go out this year and they get torched by every team they play, the good ones, then I'll have a different opinion. Yeah, if we're seeing a bunch of missed assignments in the playoff game. I mean, come on. It just, it's got to be better. It's got to be better. Right, anything else in the comments that we need to get to? There are comments, but I do want to, just because we have a guest coming up at 1130, I think we should get to the... Yeah, we should get to this discussion about the yeah. A's and Manfred and how this relates to the Rays and stuff like that. Well, um, so John Romano's column is basically saying that the A's is a cautionary tale to what's going on in Tampa Bay, and this all this does is it looks like a column to me trying to put pressure on St. Petersburg and Hillsborough County to come up with more money. In fact, even in this, he mentions Orlando, which is an absolute effing joke. Orlando has no money. They have no public money. They have nobody stepping up as an owner. They're a joke. And I've been told that that whole, whole Orlando charade was just to put pressure on St. Pete in Hillsborough County, somewhat orchestrated by the Rays. 
okay, coming from a very good source. So to put that in your column, that uh, Orlando, it, I mean, do the, do the research here. They've got no public money, and they've got no owner stepping up. So, and that's suddenly a threat? Come on. Let's just, I mean, Jesus, let, let, let's do a little bit of research here. And, you know, and, and, and blaming the Oakland fans is a joke. John Fisher is the problem. Just like here, it's not, it's not the fans that are the problem here. When you have an owner that gives your fans the finger and does everything to piss them off with uh, split city plans and telling them they're not a major league market and all this bull crap that Stu Sternberg has pulled and blaming the fans for low payrolls when he's pocketing tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars, and just like John Fisher, by the way, is, is, is revolting. And this is, what, <laughs> this is what Brandon McCarthy, who pitched for 13 years in the big leagues, and, and two of them in Oakland, said – um, because Manfred said about the reverse boycott, took a shot at the A's fans saying, oh, it was just a normal MLB crowd, but it was, it was great, uh, tongue-in-cheek. He, McCarthy tweets out, this is effing pathetic. How is this not disqualifying? This toad, <laughs> Manfred, this toad is the steward of a glorious <laughs> sport, dripping with history, and he feels entitled to mock fans who are making their voices heard as he sits by and caters to hiding billionaires. Why do we accept this in our culture? Bravo. Bravo, Brandon McCarthy. Let's book his ass on this show. Let's book his ass on this show. And this is the problem. You, you got Manfred, who's hiding these billionaire owners and, and their revolting behavior on what they've done in the stadium, because Fisher said that Oakland never made a a, a viable uh, offer to the to the uh, to the A's. Mm-hmm. And what did the what did the Oakland mayor say? Yeah, the Oakland mayor straight up refuted that. Julie Edwards. Um, oh, that's a spokesperson for Oakland Mayor Shang Thao. Okay, this was the, the statement. This is just totally false. There was a very concrete proposal under discussion, and Oakland had gone above and beyond to clear hurdles, including securing funding for infrastructure, providing an environmental review, and working with other agencies to finalize approvals. The reality is the A's ownership had insisted on a multi-billion dollar, 55-acre project that included a ballpark, residential, commercial, and retail space. In Las Vegas, for whatever reason, they seem satisfied with a nine-acre leased ballpark on leased land. If they had proposed a similar project in Oakland, we feel confident a new ballpark would already be under construction. Oakland showed its commitment to the A's, and that is why the A's belong in Oakland. End yeah. quote. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and by the way, that was in response to Manfred, what he said, which I think it'd be useful to play the audio here. Yeah, yeah. let's play the Manfred stuff. And I hear from them, you know, I I feel sorry for the fans in Oakland. I do not like this outcome. I understand why they feel the way they do. I think that the real question is, what is it that Oakland was prepared to do? There is no Oakland offer, okay? I mean, they, they never got to the point where they had a plan to build a stadium at any site. And it's not just John Fisher. You don't build a stadium based on the club activity alone. The community has to provide support. And, you know, at some point you come to the realization it's just not going to happen. Okay, that was Manfred there. Mm -hmm. Now let me play the second Manfred audio. And this is the one that really irks me. And this was him asked about the revoice boycott the other night where we had close to 30,000 fans show up for Ray's A's. A's game on Tuesday when the fans came out for the reverse boycott? I was actually at a dinner with the owners. Did you, did you read the coverage? I did. 
I saw the impression of that. You know, I mean, it, it was great. Uh, I, it's great to see what is this year, you know, almost an average Major League Baseball crowd in the facility for one night. That's a great thing. Wow. This is, this, wow. Is not, this is not normal. This is not what a commissioner of a professional sports league says no. about a fan base. This, this guy is, is an ass. He's an ass. Yeah. And he's a black eye on baseball as far as I'm concerned. Since, ever since this guy has took over, other than the pitch clock this year, which I hated at first, but now I absolutely love it. I can't imagine baseball doing something different. Other than the pitch clock, I can't think of one thing this guy has done to make this game better. Okay, he—it's like he—he just—he hides, he—he he covers up for the owners continuously. I don't have any sympathy for billion-dollar owners who are crying, "Oh, I can't get my ballpark because the city won't help me out and the taxpayers won't pay for it." I don't have any sympathy. You—you own a major league team. I'm going to bring. Should I, should I bring up the old Dick Vitale tweet or tweet? Uh, yeah comment yeah. if you don't have the money to own the team then don't own the team if you don't want to play with the big boys that's don't right. own the team don't own the that's team the, that's Sell just it. the end here Sell and john fisher dollar profit and, and get out of here however long john fisher has owned this team it's been nothing but cheap 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 he's blown up every this a's team has found found a way to win right on the cheap and now they've completely just gone away from that they sold off every good player they had matt chapman Matt Chapman, Matt Olson, Marcus Simeon, Chris Bassett, Sean Mania, Liam Hendricks. I could keep on going of those teams that the, made three catcher, straight. <clears throat> John Murphy. John Murphy. And by the way, the trades they made, it's not like they, it's not like they made good trades. No. They actually got bad returns because yeah. they just didn't really, they just wanted to get rid of them. Yeah. There was no reason at that point to trade all those players. The A's fans. They had, had, to, pay, they had to pay them eventually. Well, yeah. you keep them until you can't. Right. They, they pulled the trigger too early on every single one of them, and in my opinion, it was all a ploy because they wanted that stadium empty so they could present their case to Major League Baseball, see our fans aren't showing up. But why are they not showing up? It's because of John Fisher being cheap and being incompetent as an owner. This is probably the worst owner I think I've seen in professional sports. There's, there's some good guys in the running. There are some great guys in the running for that. But John Fisher, to me, stands above all. The A's fans have been jerked around for so long, and don't tell me they don't have fans. They put 55,000 people in that stadium for a wild card game yeah. against the Rays four years ago. They have fans. This is one of the oldest fan bases in the entire MLB. They've been there since, what, 1968? Don't tell me they don't have fans, and don't tell me they aren't passionate. They are. This They've is, got, I, I, this it's is the, total it's the owner, BS. It's the cheap-ass owner that didn't want to get involved and put up half the money to get the deal done in Oakland. That's, and it's the same thing that's happened here in Tampa Bay. It's the same damn thing. And as Romano writes, um, if you don't believe it could happen in Tampa Bay, then you might want to reexamine Oakland. Number one, it's a larger market. No, it's not. That is false. San Francisco, Oakland area is a larger market, but you already have one team there. So it's half a market. And Oakland as a standstill market is way smaller than the Tampa Bay market. So that's false right there. He says, number two, it's been an MLB community twice as long as Tampa Bay. That's true. Not sure what the hell that has to do with anything. Number three, while attendance has nosedived the past two years, Oakland has outdrawn Tampa Bay over the past two decades. Still think it can't happen? I, I don't even know what, what that means, okay? Oakland situation and Tampa Bay situation are different in, in very many ways, and it's mostly because of the size of the market and where they are. 
Oakland is a second second tier market to San Francisco. The Giants own that market in on that side of the bay. But Oakland has been very successful at times. They just need a new stadium for God's sakes. And they did not want to be, John Fisher did not want to be proactive enough and put up his own money. So he went fishing for other places that will pay him. And now, honestly, he's, end, he's ended up with a crappy deal in Las Vegas, just yep. like the mayor pointed out. That's a crappy deal for them. And, and, for, and to take up the Las Vegas market, which is going to be, would have been a two, two and a half billion dollar or two billion dollar uh, reloc- um, expansion fee, you know, that's not going to work out great for, for the owners. <laughs> In Tampa Bay, Manfred, if the one thing he, he has been honest about is they're not leaving Tampa Bay. And why would they? It's, again, it's the 11th largest market. There's another quote in there from some sports economist that says Tampa Bay is a small market. It's not a small market. It's small-minded. It is because the 13th of their owner, largest media market. It's the 11th largest media market. Yeah, it's DMA. The 11th, the 11th largest media market the 17th in the US. largest in Orlando an hour away. Correct. So, basically, with all the people that are coming to this area, especially from the Northeast, you think baseball wants to leave this market and leave a television presence in Tampa Bay? No, they're not leaving here. So this column, to me, just reeks of, let's put the pressure on Tampa and St. Petersburg to come up with more local money. Because none of it makes any sense to me. And, and, and it's, it's just silly. What I, happened I, in I, Oakland has nothing to I, do with exactly. what's happening here in Tampa Bay. Nothing. <laughs> so... Sorry, just can't be on board with you here, John Romano. And and this is this needs to be focused on where it needs to be focused, and that's in downtown Tampa. And this shenanigans that's going on in St. Petersburg, and now the mayor is getting heat from his constituents on other issues. But the shenanigans as two people with great knowledge of the situation that's going on in these negotiations told me, the game that's being played in St. Petersburg is not the game you think it is being played. And it's because St. Petersburg's being played. And the, the, in my opinion, Stu Sternberg's going to be forced to take the best deal he can get in Tampa in Hillsborough County, which Hillsborough County, within the next 30 to 45 days, will have their, their next plan because it keeps changing. The reason they don't have a plan is because Stu keeps changing everything. Once again, the, owner, the guy that said Ybor City was the, the best location and this was everything we want and the ballpark is everything we want, we'll be here for generations. Oh, well, you got to pay half. Oh, no, I'm not doing that. I mean, this is the same guy who's been thwarting this at every pass because he's been making so much money in Tropicana Field, a place that he doesn't have to pay for, and he can just print $100 million in profit every year. So, And he was going to take it to the nth, the nth time, all the way up to the deadline, so he can continue to make that money and put in as little money as he wants to put in to this stadium. So, again, Manfred has failed the fans of, of, of Oakland. He has failed the fans of Tampa Bay to protect these billionaire owners because that's who he works for. He doesn't give a shit about the fans. And, and that's my thing. Why? It, I feel like under Bud Selig, we had two instances, right, at least, that I can think of where he took, owner, he took away ownership, right? Yeah. And especially Vince Namoli is the big one that we right. always remember. Yeah. But didn't he do the same thing with Montreal as well to facilitate that move to, yeah. Yeah. to Washington? Yeah. Okay. There was an ownership <laughs> switch. Um, I think Luria in Miami became the owner, and the new one. I forget exactly how it worked, but again, it was you know Major League Baseball is going to do what's best for the owners. They don't give a crap about the fans, and they're going to do what's best. This for guy's the proved it. To make listen, much mo- listen. As much money all as I ha- all I have to tell you that Rob Manfred doesn't care about the fans and the betterment of baseball. Go back to last. Uh, the spring of last year when we were going through this lockout and this guy's up there laughing, putting on a smiley face yeah. about the fact that we're not playing baseball yeah. and he wanted to ride that out. 
I mean, Rob Manfred, he's, all, he's the worst commissioner in sports. You can talk about Goodell all you want while the NFL has continued to grow and grow and grow well, and grow. has been growing <clears throat> money-wise. He's, he's done a great job for the owners in that regard. But it's all about the owners. Yeah, exactly. He's protecting every billionaire that exists in this game. Yeah. How's that good for anybody? It's not. It's not. And, it, and these moves are just simply to get more expansion money. Um, they see Oakland as a dead market because they just want to. They just want to take over every big market exactly. they can find. Exactly. That's, that's the end game, and right? They have to a me, that's the in end San game. Francisco, so they really don't care about Oakland. They want to go get another market where they can get the expansion fee. That's what they want. All right, let's uh, bring in our good friend Paul Wilson, our media mogul, famous uh, actor, extraordinaire, voiceover dude. What's you? What are you wearing today? What do we got? See the shirt. Yeah, what is it? Def Leppard. Oh, Def Leppard. Is that Def no, Leppard? No, no, no. But it's Dead Flatbirds. Dead Flatbirds. What the hell is that? So Def this Flatbirds? comes, my, our band manager used to be head of security for Def Leppard on their big tours, Hysteria. Yeah. Well, they were rehearsing for that record in Joe Elliott's mom's basement. And she comes downstairs with like tea and crumpets or something um, and says, what, what, is, what are you guys doing? Well, we're, you know, we're, the band is Def Leppard. And she says, you sound more like dead flatbirds to me. So they made the shirt for the, for the band for that tour. So this is a replica. There you go. That's fantastic. You got the best stuff. All right. So yeah. you, went, you went and saw Flash. You went and saw Flash, and you are just, you can't wait to talk about this movie. No spoilers, obviously. We're going to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be hard um, because I, I'll, I'll say this. What Marvel has done so, I mean, incredibly for almost 20 years, um, by having these giant universes and these big stories and still a lot of fun, DC kind of has not really done that until now. This is Ooh. probably the most fun I think you'll have with a superhero movie, um, especially given the fact that, um, you know, this beleaguered Ezra Miller has certainly had some legal problems. But he really shines in this role. He plays he plays two versions, right? And the basic setup it's it's based on in 2011, I believe there was a uh, comic book called Flashpoint, where the Flash mm -hmm. goes, you know, finds different so-called universes, right? And then things go crazy. So it's kind of based on that. He's got to go back in time to figure out, you know, who murdered his mom and try to save his mom. And okay. his father's currently in prison, um, okay. you know, for the crime. Um, but what he does is kind of unlock this crazy universe. And I think we Ooh. all know there's one Batman named Michael Keaton who shows up. And I will tell you this, it is no cameo. He shows up and he is in it to win it. So he's a lot of fun to yes. see. Yes. His nostalgia types. Michael um, Keaton and there's several Batman, other faces too that I'm not going to give away, but there's several other faces that you go, what? Wow. So you got to see it. It's really fun. If you like that at all, yeah. you'll love this. Yeah. Admittedly, I have not dived into DC as much because I'm a big Marvel mark, I guess I could say, right? And I always, I just hear things all the time, like you say, like DC just doesn't have that reputation for putting out a great movie like Marvel does. And I was reading some reviews on The Flash because I've been going to movies. I see the previews and all that. Michael Keaton, it looks good. But you know, obviously, CGI is like a very important part of the experience, I guess, when you're watching yes. these shows. I saw some reviews of people saying that the CGI in this movie was a little spotty. Did, did you kind of see it the same way, or how did you kind of have an opinion? Because, I mean, a lot of that is very important, I guess, with these superhero-type films. 
I think so. I wouldn't say spotty. There's part of the design of the going into an alternate universe is this kind of warped reality. So I think a lot of people are missing that, that that's, that was in the comic books. It wasn't a clear, you know, a visually perfect alternate universe. It was kind of weird and wonky. So there's a little bit of that that's, I think, explained in the plot. Um, it didn't bother me at all, especially seeing some of those faces that you haven't seen in a long time. I mean, a long time. All right. I'm in. I'm in. I'm going to see Flash. No question about it. All right. What else? It's, it's summer movie time, blockbuster time. What else is out there that we got to go see? Well, uh, by the way, I went and saw a... Guardians with, with Shay. Yeah. And my okay. daughter um, loved it. Loved it. It's just, it's, it's just, they can make a hundred of those movies. I'll see them all. I loves Chris Pratt. Um, lo- lo- yeah. Love, love the whole care, all the characters, you know, it doesn't, it, it, it's not too serious, right? It's all just all in fun. I, I loved it. I thought it was a great summer romp. Well, then I think you really have fun with this one <clears throat> with, with the flash. Yeah. Um, and, and before we leave the flash, I think what the flash does, you know, what's, what was really ambitious about um, my buddy, Peter Safran, who with, uh, James Gunn now kind of runs the DC Extended Universe. It's just kind of a reboot or a reset. We're going to start seeing things, you know, because we have Pattinson's Batman over here. We've got maybe another couple Batman that we've seen before Ooh. that could come back. Um, so I think what this really does is it does kind of reset it very well, but gives it a lot of opportunity, certainly with the writer's strike that's still going on, that I think is still going to go on for another you know, 100 days. Um, you've got like the 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 Max series, which is a spinoff of the Batman called the Penguin. They're shut down. Ugh. A lot of these projects are shut down right now in production. So I think next year, provided they get through this soon or you know before winter or fall, when I mean Hollywood's basically a nine month business, right? So they're going to be they're going to be you know having turkey, and that's the end pretty soon uh, for several months. Um, but it's it's a really ambitious kind of reset. Um, another movie that's coming out next week. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, there, there's there's a cute little family movie, a Disney animated movie called Element Elemental, Elemental. and it's about how fire, water, smoke all get along. It's a really <laughs> really cute little little family you know kid movie. That's out this week. Um, next week we have Wes Anderson's. They're calling it one of his masterpieces. Now, Wes Anderson, who's got a very unique sense of comedy and, and stillness. Um, Bill Murray was kind of his muse for a long time, yeah. from Royal Tenenbaums, you know, all the love way through um, Grand Budapest. I mean, all kinds oh, of fun. I love both of those movies, yeah. Well, this one's called Asteroid City. I mean, we would spend 20 minutes telling you who's in that movie, but everybody's in that movie, okay? <laughs> I mean, from Scarlett Johansson to Ed Norton to oh. Brian Cranston, uh, it, it just goes on and on and on. I mean, it's just a, a litany of superstars. But it's basically set in the 50s at a, a space camp where some kids are basically these, you know, space cadets and looking at the stars and then an alien shows up. So it's way out there. That comes out next week. And that should be a lot of fun. Reviews, my, I talked to my brother about it, and he can't wait to see that. Um, the way that me- shot. Talk, talk to me about the way, because I've seen the previews and the coloration of the movie looks completely different, very nostalgic, but yet not grainy. Very, like, just the way it's shot, the tree, I'm like, what is that? And wh- why is it so intriguing to me? Um, well, it, 
first of all, they shot that in Spain. It's supposed to be set out out west, but they shot that in Spain during COVID. So they were they were in production and were able to kind of keep that. And you'll notice, I I think too, when you see if you really pay attention, those actors don't get too close in some of those frames. That's because of COVID. Oh, wow. Now he's a magnificent. Uh, cinematographers, visionary on giant landscapes. But I heard someone describe the, the way the, the you know, desert dirt and the sand yeah. against that blue sky reminds you of a creamsicle, right. yeah. which you know, we know all about we here know in Tampa creamsicles, Bay. Yeah. Yeah, it looked, but it he looks liked, really cool. He is, he's very famous for kind of a muted color palette. This one is very rich, but not vivid. So, and it's part of the tone, I think. Yeah. Um, Tony Scott was really good at that. The late Tony Scott was really good at creating emotion with, back in those days, they shot it in film, but you could tint the frame and really kind of crown it. If you remember like Revenge with Kevin Costner and Madeline Stowe, uh, that was kind of his version of a Top Gun light that got real dramatic between those two and mm -hmm. the, the late, great Anthony Quinn. But even Top Gun, those stylized, yeah. Shots where you get smoke and you get light. West goes the other way, and it's very sparse and very entertaining. Paul so Wilson, you got to go. All right, I'm in, I'm in on that one for sure. Actor Paul Wilson joining us here. Anything going on locally? Anything shot locally? Um, any anything in the pipeline? Anything we? Nothing. Well, I mean, a shameless plug. A movie I shot last year comes out in two weeks. There you go. Um, Radar the. Uh, the Adventures of the Bionic Dog Radar is a an acronym for Remote Activated Doubloon Acquiring Rex Radar. <laughs> uh, we, we shot that last May, and that's coming out in two weeks. All right, we'll be looking um, forward to that. There, there's some stuff going on, you know, stuff that was already kind of in the queue. But sadly, I think, you know, again, not not to get boring with the with the strike, but that also shut down a lot of commercial and television production. I mean, yeah. you look at what SNL's in. You know, and SNL ha was going to have Pete Davidson back, who left the show, but he was going to host the show this week. And they just, I think, earlier this week said, "You know what? We're going to go back to rerun. We're not going to, we're not, we're not going to air that show." Wow. So, yeah, a lot, a lot of productions are kind of stifled right now. We do have a lot happening here. That's, um, let's say, kind of local productions, right? Because um, we've lost a lot of that, you know, out-of-state commercial big brand stuff because of the strike. Um, but it's kind of quiet right now, and I think things will kind of fire up here pretty soon once they kind of solve it. Now that the Directors Guild is kind of, you know, more or less negotiated their deal, I think you're going to see, you know, you can't have Hollywood shut down. You can't have, I mean, think about all these projects that are shut down, especially with the dearth of content yeah. um, that all want to keep you watching, you know? Um, interestingly about that, too, I think, you know, there's a thing called Indiana Jones, the Dial of Destiny. You've yeah. probably heard about that. That's coming out in two weeks, and uh, the reviews are in, and uh, most of them are, are kind. Um, some of them are, are a, little, a little bitchy, I'd, really? I'd say. They're, they're getting the spirit of this character that's 40 years old, and he's actually 80 in real life. Right. Um, but it's, 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 a, it's a great send-off for that character. We'll talk about that next week, too. So we talk a lot about on here about, you know, comedies seem to be almost dead, yeah. at least in the mainstream, well, right? You can't offend anybody. <laughs> yeah, it's very hard to make a comedy, I guess, nowadays. But I have seen the, the previews for this one. I think, it, is it No Hard Feelings, if I got that right? The one with Jennifer Lawrence that's coming out? Yes. Oh, I yes. love that trailer. I, just just looking at the trailer, I, I'm howling. hooked. 
I'm hooked, and it almost has the makings of one of those like borderline, like, like raunchy comedies, maybe I'll call it, that we used to be accustomed to seeing. Does this one have a chance, you think, to kind of bring us a little bit forward with, with the comedy section here? Yes, sir. I do believe, and I, I, I think the lack of the rom-coms or the romp-coms um, was because of COVID, because our viewer, most of the viewing habits of America uh, changed, obviously, during the lockdown. And with even with my, although he's not here, with my luminary news ex newsman father, and then my of course my brother Mark, um, documentaries are kind of the new news, right? So I think COVID kind of conditioned us to learn a little bit more about things or be entertained as we're learning, and that kind of killed the comedy part. Plus, people were you know uh, dealing with all kinds of stress during COVID. But yes, you're right. I think this is the beginning. There's a there's a really fun. I have to look this up, but I think it's next week. There's a really fun, um, uh, crazy horror comedy coming out next week. So that will be interesting. I, I'm not even going to give that away, but that's well, fifty cents in it. So it's going to be really fun. What but about- you're right. I think we're going to see. I think we're going to see a lot more fun. And of course, it's Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah. And she's really got kind of a Lucille Ball style of slapstick fun comedy that's just really awkward for such a pretty you know great artist you did not mention insidious the red door uh, oh, oh, yeah, right. directed and starring some dude you might know <laughs> yes well i was going to save that for the little button at the end because i'll be at the world premiere in two weeks so I can tell you all about that in two weeks. That's your, but brother, yes, that's Patrick, your brother's movie. Patrick's directorial debut. Insidious 5, the fifth installment of that other horror franchise that's a monster of a franchise, reunites the cast 10 or 12 years later after the last one. Um, and their son has gone off to college. And all of a sudden, the stuff he thought he got away from follows him. So, oh, I all. got chills. Look, look at my man. Look at my man. He's He's... He's like fr- he hates horror movies. He hates. I've become yeah. to love them in my later life. I was. I I can't even stand when they have the the previews that come on. Like I'm watching a ball game and <laughs> it's at night, you know. And I hear a preview come on and I'm hearing all this loud screaming. I just what was the one with the the I can't even remember the one that just came out. The recent horror film and they were blasting the preview everywhere of like Megan. Was it Megan? Maybe Scream. it's like the, it's like the mom. I think it's like a mom who like turns into something. And oh, like, oh, oh, Evil Dead Rise. Yes. Oh, I, I'm getting chills. Way, I thinking, saw that. I'm getting chills That's thinking about it. I hated that that preview. I just could not do it. Well, and I think that yeah, it's interesting you said that because I, what's interesting about if you're a horror fan, what's interesting about there, there are really two class or three classes in a full on slasher, right? right? Right. Halloween, that whole series. Uh, and to a degree, Evil Dead is part of that, and there's a lot of gore in that movie. And then there's the satanic involvement or tempting dealing with Satan, which is, you know, conjuring. We were part of that. That, to me, is the most bone-chilling, you know, the exorcist. Yeah, Anything to deal with spirituality yeah. and, you know, based on the fact that, you know, how can you acknowledge God if you can't acknowledge the existence of the devil, right? Right. But Insidious is about auras and about other dimensions it's still evil and scary but it's not for me it's not quite as scary as conjuring which is or exorcist which is getting a reboot because that's that's really you cut the one over your shoulder at night for sure (laughs) 
Well, they all do that for me. <laughs> you just, I mean, dude, you just glitched. <laughs> you just glitched when you did. That. I know that freaked you me totally out right there. You glitched when you did that. You you turned your back. Oh my God! There's something behind. What is that behind you? Are you playing tricks on us? What is? Oh, what is that? Right there, right there, Nick. Right there. No, don't don't do this to me right now. Listen, I'm the same. I don't even. I'm I'm the same guy who sometimes, still to this day, when it's like one of those weird nights, sometimes, and it's dark in the room, like I feel like you know Pennywise is gonna like come out of my closet or something. Like truthfully, I'm still like that movie still freaks me out to this day. I well, feel about clowns. Yeah. Ooh. Did you like Did you like it too? The follow up. Oh, it too. I tell you, that I had I saw that in the theaters with some of my friends. I yeah. I have never felt a feeling like I did watching it too. And I'm not I'm not talking a good feeling. I mean the right. running up not just my spine but up my neck and up my head. Like that's it's like the first scene too where like he's like on the other side of like the river I think. Yeah. And you yeah. first see I'm getting chills right now. You can see it. You can did see you my feel arm that right warm now. Warm sensation running down the side of your leg. <laughs> Pretty damn close. <laughs> Pretty damn close, oh, honestly. As long as it's not liquid. Um, but <laughs> speaking, of, speaking of, um, the director of the It movies, Andy Muschietti, is the director of The Flash. So oh. you might be interested oh, to see that. This doesn't make any you know, sense. He's got a different set of chops showing. So, mm. All right. Okay, we'll, we'll talk to you next week because we got some other um, – there's a Mission Impossible coming out later this summer. I'm in oh, yeah. Can't I'll wait to talk about that. that. So, all right, good stuff, man. Have a great weekend. Take all right, we'll see you. The great Paul. Wilson. Hey, happy Father's Day! Happy Father's Day! Happy Father's Day to you, my friend. Great dad that you are. So yes, let's uh, let's have a beer about that soon. All right, my friend. Um, wow, that was uh, chilling. When he when he he looked behind him, he glitched. He glitched right at that time. He totally glitched. Oh, I just oh the scary movies. Mm. I haven't watched a scary His movie. Whole in setup, years like, either. I felt I've like avoided. somebody was coming up. I did. Him, like somebody was. I really come did. Up. He's going to do that to us one day. See, He's now this is what I hate. We just talked about scary movies. So all the ones that I've seen, I've got like views of like the third Conjuring all coming back in my head right now. I can't get that damn clown out of my head right the now. The clown is just, yeah. Yeah, that, that I saw, that's the one I saw, it too. That was, woof. That was bone chilling to the, to the fullest extent. Yeah, I love it. Um, uh, do we need to take another break? Uh, quick break. Yeah, we need one more quick All break. Right, quick break. When we come back, we got to get to USA Mexico uh, and the U.S. Open. I watched a lot of U.S. Open yesterday. Holy hell, Ricky Fowler. Uh, we're brought to you by American, American Mortgage Services. Scott Fitzgerald, he will help you out with your home loan. Even though interest rates are up, they have some interesting programs that can help you uh, deal with that. So find out what the numbers are. Just don't say, I'm not going to buy right now. The interest rates are too high. Don't do that. Find out what's going on. Have a conversation with Scott Fitzgerald. He's the best in the business. Scott at AMSTampa.com. Scott at AMSTampa.com. Back in three. Law Group. Have you been injured in an accident, in an auto accident, truck accident, motorcycle accident, at work or at a place of business? Well, call the Jeeves Law Group and get the personal attention that you deserve. I made the mistake many, many years ago with going with one of the bigger law firms, the national law firms. And let me tell you, getting a call back from those folks was next to impossible. Weeks and weeks would go by never get a call back. That doesn't happen with the Jeeves Law Group. Personal attention is what they're all about. When you call the Jeeves Law Group, you will be part of the family. They will represent you in a vigorous and aggressive way against the insurance companies. These larger companies will promise bigger settlements, 
but it's the Jeeves Law Group that will get you the best results. If you're tired of dealing with these bigger law firms, check out the Jeeves Law Group. Go to JeevesLawGroup.com, tell them JP sent you, get a free consultation. It's the Jeeves Law Group. Scott Jeeves has been representing clients in the Tampa Bay area for over 25 years. Give them a call. It's a free call, 727-894-2929, 727-894-2929, or go to JeevesLawGroup.com. Ladies and gentlemen, are you looking to lose weight or just lean up for bathing suit season where there are so many diets and chiropractors and weight loss clinics out there? You don't know where to start, right? We'll start at Bay Area Modern Medical Center. Chris Lugo, PA, and his professional staff will devise a personal plan for you that gets results and will help you keep the weight off. Everybody metabolizes food and supplements differently. Many of these other approaches are designed for the masses. So how's that going to work for you specifically? It's not. Chris will spend one-on-one time with you to find out what works best for you so the weight comes off safely without the use of harmful drugs and side effects. Call 844-977-3477 or go to BAMMC.com. Tell them JP sent you for priority scheduling. 844-977-3477 or BAMMC.com. Pure, pure sports. JP is back on. Welcome back. Fan stream sports. All right, welcome back to the J.P. Peterson Show, brought to you by the Golden Diamond Source. If you haven't got a Father's Day gift, there's still time. Head on over to the Golden Diamond Source. they got a huge sale going on right now. Get your daddy a, a nice shiny watch or your husband a nice shiny watch or a pendant, something that uh, will be meaningful to him. So go, go do that. Go to the Golden Diamond Source. Tell them J.P. sent you. All right, so the U.S. men's national team gets a 3-0 win over Mexico in the CONCACAF Nations League semifinal on Thursday, but it had to be halted because of a bunch of fights and then anti-gay chanting. What, what the hell was going on here? Intern Nick, you have the story on this? Just a whole lot. None of it good except for the fact that USA won 3-0. Mm-hmm. Like, Trace moving Sassetto. on to the finals. Teresa Cero, thank you. Let's go. Um, it's just like, if you just, I'm assuming you're looking at, you know, some of the news on it right now and it's, everything is just so negative about Mexico, the team, their, you know, their, their football federation. Like, like you said, there's fights going on. I don't agree with some of the referee, the referee's decisions. Like he also carded two USA players, but one of them was because, uh, Weston McKinney was trying to fight back because they literally were ripping his shirt off and. (laughs) By the way, that that image of him walking off, kissing the USA crest, that's going to become iconic. Like, yeah. that's that's my player right there. I, I saw I saw the highlights of it, or the lowlights, as it were, and yeah, it just lights. turned into a freaking brawl. I will say it should be some highlights because the USA still played a great game. I mean, Christian Pulisic had two goals, could have had a hat trick. I mean, they played a great game. Mexico, on the other hand, like I mean, I keep seeing people say this, like they had no fight until they were down three nothing, and they decided, hey, let's actually fight these players. And that's what happened. And it's not just them; it was the fa- their fans. Like, and this isn't shocking because they do th- they've done this a lot. But like, they're they're throwing things on the field, and then like you mentioned, they're Were because the of Mexican all the Mexican fans chanting an anti-gay thing. There's like, the, what's the what's the gay thing have to do with anything? Uh, it's do we know? I, I know what the word is. I don't know what it translates to. It's the word puto. I don't know what that translates. <laughs> to. This is I've a heard, heard this is a like soccer. This is part of the soccer culture that's not great. Yeah. If you'll if you'll see this a lot in Europe, especially Spain. This yeah. is a big problem, especially for for black players who play in Spain. Yeah, awful. And it I mean, awful. It, it, it is just, ridiculous. It happens all the time in soccer. I don't understand why it just does. 
Um, but it, it's a, it's definitely right. a stain on the sport, and you saw it last night. I just think Mexico, I mean, they've been lapped. They've been lapped by this country in soccer. In they their have. own I game, mean, they've been lapped. They haven't beaten the United States. The last time they beat the, the United States, COVID hadn't happened yet. Yeah. Like, it's been, been years. It's been a bit. And I, I don't think the fact that this game got called will, you know, m- most people kind of overlook that fact because, like, they weren't winning at that point. It was up, we were up 3 nothing, But... Yeah, like they gave him twelve minutes of extra time. They called it in the seventh because they just would not stop chanting, you know, that word. And like, if you go online and do some research, you'll see it. People have been ranting about this for a while now. Like, it's just ridiculous. Like, people are like, something needs to be done. You're seeing all these things, like people saying like, USA should ban Mexico from playing friendlies on U.S. soil. This wasn't a friendly. This was a semifinal, so they can't really do anything about that. But then there's like. You know, they need to be banned from... Mexico needs to be banned from tournaments. There's all this stuff. Like, it's just... You know, there's nothing good that comes out of this. Although, me, personally, I'm just choosing to, you know... Yeah. Choose, look at the fact that, like, we just... United States just beat our, big, beat our biggest rival to go to a final again, which I am so happy new, about. And they have a new old coach. Yeah. Yep. Talk about weird, wasting time. In the middle this, of the match. In the middle of the match, this, was, this kind of came out. <laughs> Greg Berhalter, who's getting rewarded for... You know, just doing what you should have done, quite frankly, and then having an awful game plan against Holland in the World Cup, and hey, you're rewarded MLS coach. So, but 